please get the hell out of here? This place gives me the creeps. Why does Tommy come to me? Hello, may I help you? You can sure as hell try. Hi, I'm Abe Froman. Party of three for 12. Is there a problem? You're Abe Froman. That's right. I'm Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. Yeah, that's me. Listen, young man. Entrepreneur, I'm very busy here. Why don't you take the kids and go back to the clubhouse? Are you suggesting that I'm not who I say I am? I'm suggesting that you leave before I have to get snooty. Snooty? Snotty. Snotty. Okay, Abe. Let's go. No, I'm not going anywhere. No. We like to be seated. Listen, young man, either you take the field trip outside or I'm going to have to call the police. The po You're going to call the police on me? Yes. Fine. As a matter of fact, I'll call them myself. <laughs> yes. Cold police. This would be a hoot. Here, give me the phone. I have another call. Huh. I've had enough of this horsing around. Give me the phone back. You touch me, I yell right. There's another phone around here somewhere. Find it. Wonderful. I weep for the future. Okay, Ferris, can we just let it go, please? Ferris, please. A, you can never go too far. B, if I'm gonna get busted, it is not gonna be by a guy like that. thing ever created. Not Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We were just discussing a website that I accidentally got on it. We won't identify the website because we may know people who work here. I'm just saying that Tim accidentally opened up, what is it, a, a we call it a, uh, can you lower my microphone ever so slightly? Thank you. Uh, Tim just identified, we'll call it a, a local news site. Should we call it that? Yeah. We should also say that it's not K2. Um, and so Tim opened up what we will charitably refer to as the website of a local news disseminating organization. And it's one of those websites that when you open it, A, everything on your computer immediately slows to a crawl. B, the computer actually starts running so slowly that you can't even get your mouse over to close it. It takes like 15 minutes to get to their home page because it just creeps along like an old nag pulling a... An old horse cart down the street. It's like there is someone back at the home office creating the page bit by bit on Etch-a-Sketch. Uh, and you can't even get it to close. Do you ever go to a website that actually slows your computer down so much that you go to that... And it has 2,000 employees. That's too much information. <laughs> um, that you'll actually go to the, the red X or the whatever it is in the upper right-hand corner of your computer trying just desperately to close the whole browser, and it can't even be closed. Like it hadn't, the computer's not even really done processing the existence of the page yet, much less to the point where it could just sort of close the whole thing. And then it just sits there and it screws everything. And then you do this. Here's the other thing you start doing. You're listening to the Rick Emerson Show, by the way. Uh, 
The other thing that you start doing is you will try to close the browser. The browser won't close because the web page has just turned your entire computer into one big La Brea tar pit. And so you say to yourself, even though if you were to think about it for even a moment, you would know this doesn't work. You say to yourself, okay, while the browser is trying to close, I'll just take care of some of these other tasks. And then you start trying to, like, maximize other windows for other applications that are at the bottom of the screen. And then they don't work either because all the computing power is still back trying to close this one persnickety window in your browser. And then you realize that you have just made the problem worse by trying to then simultaneously go back to Microsoft Word, Excel, and your MP3 player all at once. The computer then just reaches some point of schizophrenic paralysis and can't do anything. And then you end up just having to unplug the thing and pull it back in. And that's it. So anyway, that's how we started today's program, with Tim announcing that he had actually gone to the worst thing ever created, which is that website. All right. Why, hello, it's six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of June of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, it is Tuesday. And welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Do you ever do this? Do you ever go to a page and then it opens one of those irritating banner ads that floats over into the middle of your screen? Where it's not like in a fixed or stationary position. It's like some weird... Like a, like a flash animated banner that opens in and the middle. You mid try to catch it, but you can't. And that's the thing, and you try to catch it. Why? So you can so you can click on like the minuscule little X that says close window. But of course the freaking thing is moving around, and you never are able to hit the close window thing. So you hit the banner right in the middle of it, and then it just opens myriad pop up windows, ensuring that you're never going to get anything on your computer running properly ever again. All right. Well, in any event. Uh, if you'd like to join us today via the uh, telephone or whatever, uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, or uh, what have ye. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or somewhere in between. Uh, all right, coming up today, Steve Kastenbaum uh, will be joining us uh, from New York City. We're going to talk... It's not really even about... Because didn't all of Iowa underwater or something? Yeah. I mean, no, that means all the corn prices are going to go up. See, but they're going to bring that in from Mexico. That's the thing, right? So we had, uh, we had, uh, what well, we had the tomatoes uh, all going hinky on us, and then the, 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 you know the less said about gas at this point, the better. And now all the corn is gone, and then there was oh, that will old, be soon. That uh, that unpleasant business with the rice a few weeks ago. So oh, the rice shortage. Isn't the rice shortage anymore? That see, was a made-up story. That didn't happen. That you know, was a made-up story. You know what rice shortage was? It was the SARS of the food world. Uh -huh. Remember when avian flu was going to kill all of us, oh, yeah. and then no one anywhere ever even uh, caught it, much less died from it. So, well, anyway, today it's corn. So, and I'm sure that there's nothing better than a, there's nothing more that a New York reporter loves uh, more than to talk about things in Iowa. But, but I believe the corn syrup because there's nothing in the middle of America except for corn and twisters. <laughs> And funnel cakes, Tim. Yes. Don't forget funnel cakes. Right. All Nothing right. else to be had. <laughs> Except the stench of Commodore that goes for like eight hours driving cross country. And believe me, I know because I've driven through it. Just an entire economy based on corn and cross burning. Mm -hmm. That's it. All right. Well, at any event. Uh, so Steve Castanbaum will join us today. We'll do the top five top five tracks that open an album. Uh, we'll do the uh, top five album opening tracks of all time. Uh, Rick Emerson helps you with your love life. Not you specifically, but you. It's sort of a collective 
kind of a generalized you. How are you going to help somebody with their love life? Well, it's not really me. It's oh, the thing. It's the other thing. people. You know the thing. Um, yes. Let's see. Do I have that Thanks. email? I thought you meant in general, like it's going to be a new segment where you're going to help coax people through their problems. And like, what show am I on? No, there's really no one less qualified well, to help Dr. anybody. Dr. Bill can get a program like <laughs> How many shrinks do you have again? Seriously, if a fat man can put out a book on losing weight, then I guess I can help people with either the being normal. So, uh, no, we have this email from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. In fact, I'm going to black out. I'm going to black out this guy's name so that I don't accidentally say it. So that I don't accidentally. Like an FBI. Well, and he puts his name like four different places in the email. He's like, keep this anonymous, by the way. And then he sprinkles his name liberally throughout the uh, communication. Uh, so later on, uh, don't call about this yet. But here's the, so, I'm just going to read you one, one little fragment of this email that we're going to read later. Uh, it says, uh, keep this anonymous. Dear God, keep it anonymous. I could use some gathered wisdom and thought it might make a good high concept topic at some point. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And then he says, let's say you want to go out of your way to impress a girl by making sure that when she finally comes to your place to stay for a while, it doesn't leave a bad taste in her mouth. I'm not talking about a one-night stand kind of girl, but someone who will be staying with you for a while and someone on whom you want to make a remarkable impression. What must you have or not have in your apartment or house to give the right impression to that special, special someone? So don't call about that yet, but we'll uh, we'll discuss that later. All right, so that's coming up. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, we'll uh, try to figure out what the hell Mike and the Mechanics' silent running is about. Um, oh, you remember that guy we talked to from G4 about that show Hurl? Mm -hmm. So the trailer for the show Hurl is now online, and it's fantastic. It is, is it everything you ever dreamed of? Dude, it's so great. I mean, it is, and I mean this in the best way, it's just the ultimate dude show. I mean, not surprisingly, there are no women anywhere in the trailer at all. It is all, it's just like a sausage fest. It's just, it, it, guys, as far as the eye can see, and it's like a combination, it is like a combination Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest, uh, NASA Space Program Training Exercise, and like family double dare it's just a whole bunch of guys i think in the trailer it's guys eating chicken pot pies and then they're being put in one of those one of those things like the, one of those lawnmower man things it's like a big it's like a gyroscope you know what i mean like a huge it's like a huge metal ring or a series of rings that a guy is strapped into and then it goes and like spins you around you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. anyway so it's a guy strapped into that uh, and then it's just a, and then it's just a bunch of vomit spray everywhere. It's fantastic. Uh, you can see it at rickemerson.com, by the way. But we'll play the audio for you uh, later. We'll play the audio for you from that. Uh, what else? Well, that's it. Uh, a couple. Oh, and then in, we'll talk about we'll talk about yesterday's exciting exciting sales extravaganza here in just a moment. That was quite exciting. Dude, I put a little tease about it on my blog. Um, Last night I said, "Hey, join us on Tuesday when we'll do this." We'll Are you talk talking about, about the crap. pep talk that you gave to me, and then in turn I turned out to be the least embarrassing person? I wasn't going to mention the pep talk, but now, but if you want me to, I certainly can. To seeing as how you know what it was, Sarah, it was ironic. It the, was ironic. The pep talk that I gave Sarah well, I was yesterday. Just insulted. You know I'm a pro. How come I didn't get a pep talk? 
Because you weren't imbibing in the free cocktail. You weren't drinking free booze. Because <laughs> Rick was sitting there like, Sarah, now there are lots of important clients here, Sarah. And I really need you to make sure that you have your wits about you, Sarah. I'm like, really? I've had half a glass of wine, Dad. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll discuss all of that here in a second um, and try to expunge any awkwardness from the situation. It would, any awkwardness, it's not awkward. I'm just glad that my point was proven. <laughs> no, I mean, any awkwardness really it would have been obviated by the fact that I completely uh, choked. Uh, choked is not even the right word for it. it. Choking implies that you get up in front of the microphone in front of the, the whole the room full of clients and salespeople and at least three different people who could have fired all of us. Uh, choke implies that you get up there and you don't have anything to say. Uh, or that you can say something, you know, you get up there and... You, Thank the, goodness you had a few things to say. <laughs> Dude... Anyway, so in just a second, so we'll talk about last night's CBS Radio Portland sales extravaganza, which really, Tim really nailed it the best this morning. He said it is a thing that we will all remember 20 years from now. It is an instant radio story. It is one of those radio moments that instantly goes in the file right next to the person that was trying to keep uh, their job with Susan Reynolds, who, when she said, why should we keep you here? He said, because I'm the S. It goes in the file, like, right next to that, except I did it. It wasn't like another guy. It was me. So we'll talk One about Tim. that in a second. And, but mostly Mostly me. Tim. <laughs> I was going to take all the blame. Well, we'll, re- we'll recap it here in a moment. You're being too gentle right now. You, you just got to, like, you know, let it all hang out. A lot of it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is that none of last night's disaster was Sarah's fault. It is. See? So I Drunk or not, Sarah held it together better than either of us. So you wasted your pep talk. I know. Person. I should have been. And I wasn't even. You saw drunk. Oh, and no. I that's... There was no drunk. Well, we'll talk about last night. And time. I didn't even drink. And who ruined things? <laughs> <laughs> People don't even know we're talking about Um Okay. So, but I, but it, we'll, we'll discuss that in a second. So Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. I am, am I? Yes. <laughs> you are. Try to pronounce them correctly. <laughs> Two people are stabbed after 40 people are involved in a Vancouver trailer park brawl. Rising gas prices shorten the work week for Clark County employees. Aggressive murder trial has all the stuff of horror movies. It's about to get underway here in Portland. Same-sex couples are getting married across California today. It, it is now legal for them to do so. Michelle Obama will cause the view tomorrow. A Japanese cannibal is executed. Prison guards are charged with using prison inmate food for toilets. And we'll have some advice for ladies who wish to remain single and are happy about it. Okay, then. Wait, when does that horrific murder trial get underway? I believe it's underway today. I wonder if that's See, the that one... See, that... that probably was your jury That day. was probably the one they wanted me to be in the jury for. Oh, this is about tearing somebody's skin off and decapitating them? You lose, Rick Emerson. You know, but uh, I can't I can't leave the people for eight weeks. Dude, that's I, true. I'm not trying to overstate my own importance, but I was on vacation for two days, and you should see the mail I got. Pussy! Yeah, just uh, the people taunting me for being gone. So. Roommate found skinned in his member. <gasps> wow. Dismember? Oh. Wait. Dismember? I barely knew her. There we go. All right. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and certainly more talented than I, Sarah X. Dylan. Oh, Hello. yeah, right. How are you? No, Hello. I'm, I'm just saying... For those who weren't there last night, it was, uh... All right. Well, in any event, what was the rest of your evening last night? Was oh, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. I went out with, oh, with my friend Tuggy, and then uh, we went 
and had a couple drinks, then went and saw a comedy show. It was actually pretty funny at Burbati's, and then kind of called it an early night. Did you see? Um, did you watch the Gene Simmons roast with Craig Gas? No, but Craig sent me a text message. I know you said that he. Me too. He's too. like, hey, it's Gas. I'm roasting Gene Simmons, and then but I realized I got rid of cable, and so I got to find it on the internet or something. Yeah, so I, I never did watch it. Uh, it should be genius. See, that's what happens when you get rid of cable. All the good stuff comes. That's out. the thing. It's like and suddenly, uh, you know. But I got to wait until the end of the month to do it. But oh. the highlight of my day definitely was the CBS radio. What was it? Rethink? Is that what yes. it's called? Rethink. By the way, before we do anything, Richie, uh, just I, I know I see you emailed us today. Uh, one random on-air caller will win a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 t-shirt. Uh, if you missed Backlash on Sunday, April 27th, you still have time to catch the replay. It's the fallout from WrestleMania 24. Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Batista, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Edge, and all your favorite superstars seek revenge at Backlash. Contact your pay-per-view provider today to find out how you can catch the replay of Backlash. So one random on-air caller today wins a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 t-shirt. So there you go. It's 503-733-2970. So here's... So, so last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, there was this huge... Uh, we use the word cluster sometimes. I guess we're going to use the word cluster many times. <laughs> um, but when we talk about the cluster, it like a cluster or <laughs> the uh, cluster means all of all of the radio stations in a city that are owned by one company. Uh, so Which is kind of neat. So, like all of the stations that CBS is owned by, like all the honor personalities, and everything. Everyone was in one room together. Which we're typically not. Yeah, because we're all because we're in three different buildings. Because there's uh, we are on First Avenue, and there's us, and now uh, Jammin is here too, and KUFO. Am I leaving anybody out? Not Just us three, right? Yeah. And then uh, on Third Avenue is K Hits and Couple, uh, and then of course you know Kink is off in their own little like in their metropolis. planet world of you know like uh, of whatever. Uh, so uh, so we're all in three different uh, you know the buildings. But they'll do a thing where they'll say, well, there's a cluster-wide meeting. And a cluster just means all of the stations that CBS owns in Portland. So yesterday we had this huge sales, I don't even want to call it a sales seminar. I don't, it, was, it was sort of a presentation. It was like a big, over-the-top, sort of very sort of lavish presentation for both present and future clients, advertisers, for people who sell for the company. And then, of course, uh, you know, we had, the, you know, our boss was there, Dave. And then, um, you know, we had uh, Lisa Decker, uh, who is the senior vice president. You know, she was there, too. So, I mean, there were several people in the room who could just crush us personally and professionally at any moment. So we go there, and it was it was not really about just our station. It was about all of CBS. And it was just, doing this whole pitch all about how we, because we're online now, and, uh, you know, our content is on AOL, and CBS has rolled out what is, like, a, what is a really cool sort of online presence. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we partnered with, uh, you know, Last.fm and Play.it uh, and, you know, all that stuff. So, anyway, so we're doing this huge sales presentation yesterday, and all of the sort of the various personalities from the different stations are there. There's like Lee and Alana and those guys from Couple and Corden Fatboy are there, and, the, you know, the, the Playhouse guys are there from Jammin', and we're there. And can we just say two words? Open bar. Yeah, and there's and that's the thing is and there's free food and booze, uh, which is totally how I pitched it to Tim and Sarah. I'm like, so uh, so we gotta go to the CBS thing, but there's free you know, booze and and food, and so we go there and you know, you know you're in a room where everybody is sort of everybody but us because we're we're you know sort of on the air and so we, you know we don't really have to dress up to the same extent as everybody else but you know just like a whole room full of guys in ties you know and women who are sort of dressed up and is there any number of people who could fire us and they're doing this whole presentation about CBS 
And at one point, I pulled Sarah aside, and I and, and how, what did I exact? What did I say to you exactly? What was the phrase I used? I was like Sarah. This is really important. Dave and all these really fancy people are here. And I see, as I'm having like half a glass of wine, I'm like, yeah, you're just like, I just really need you to keep your wits about you, Sarah. Is that like, what I said? You said my wits about me. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like, are you seeing Fat Boy in court like taking shots over there? And I've had half a glass of wine, and you're sitting here telling me to calm down as I'm like standing in the corner quietly. But you say, you're the only person you could do that with because I don't drink anyway. I, know, I think it was like, in, like, I think he was like, like freaking out internally, and so he needed to like project it on me. Projecting up to somebody else. Don't get drunk. There's, so I'm just standing there. I'm like, what am I even doing? Like you came out of nowhere and attacked me. I'm like standing there. That now, see now you're overstating it because no, I was very polite. You were very polite, and I didn't yeah, do it in the presence of anybody else. I know. Well, you pulled me aside, which is even worse. Like I'm standing there talking to Tim, and I realize, Sarah, can I talk to you? I did not do that. Oh, that was when I jerked me, my head. That you was pulled me aside. I looked I at you, and I, I that's jerked. That's when you did that. I jerked my head to the left. I did not say I need to talk to you. That is that is revisionist history right there. Well, if you're jerking like. Come here, and like Tim's trying to follow us, and, and you're just like, you're like, oh, that you, is true. I did that. You did. Like, stop trying to make you, you sound nicer than you were. I like, forgot about you that. You really projected onto me. You made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm like, and like Lisa Woods downing her third vodka soda. I'm like, geez. Yes, that's. I suppose I should have figured to be grading on the rather unique CBS uh, curve. See, that oh. wouldn't have happened if some of the board ops were invited. Then you could have done that to them. <laughs> Maybe, but, but seeing as I don't drink, Maybe but, then my, but then my point was proved, like you know, a half an hour later when everyone was schnockered and we're like, except for you know, us. Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that somebody? Well, never mind. <laughs> can I tell you what somebody else? What somebody did say though later in the evening, unsolicited to me, there was somebody. Because, because of course, it, you know, I guess we're talking about it now, but of course, I hadn't had that discussion. You know, like, obviously, I did the, you know, what it, the discussion you and I had where I'm like, Sarah, we all need to be sharp. Let's stay frosty and on our game. And I didn't, ha- and I didn't mention that to anybody else. Like, I didn't tell anybody, obviously, that, that you and I had had that talk. Uh-huh. Somebody actually came up to me later. I swear oh, God, to you. Oh, God, this is going to hurt my feelings. Unsolicited. Well, it's kind of funny. Somebody came up to me later they're like, I'm really surprised. Sarah's usually half in the bag by now. She really seems to have it together. So Well, because I had plans later on the night, and I'm not going to sit there and get sauced at like 4 o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. And then they found me later like, no, 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 she's drunk now. So, anyway. <laughs> oh, thanks. So it was, I'm just saying. Stop trying to justify it with somebody else who you're not even going to identify. It was Gordon Fatboy. Oh, they were schnockered. <laughs> they, they were schnockered. <laughs> Whatever. When I had my half of a thing, Court had already gone through three glasses of red wine and switched to whiskey. So that's so it was projecting all around. Yeah. Yeah, because they totally even like apropos of nothing, they were totally like, yeah, Sarah's usually plowed by now. I'm kind of su- I'm, su- I'm surprised. And then you know the person that you're most worried about, Dave McDonald, as I'm walking by him. He's this is our general story. manager. Yes, and he's telling a story, and I'm just walking by. Flails his hands, spills my drink all over me. <laughs> my entire drink, and he's, it was it was pretty amusing. It was a great night all the way around, but that's not even the best of it. So oh, so then it, it, you know, it, it, it basically it's this huge sort of shindig for clients, uh, both uh, the present and future and whatever. And as part of the deal, the clients are you know we're drawing with like a raffle, we're drawing names, and the clients are winning crap. And uh, you know, there's like a Sun River trade. I think we were giving away, and then we were giving away one. We were giving away a television, and it was like a really cool, high-definition, wireless, like, touchscreen TV. I mean, it's pretty bitchin' uh, and expensive, I might add. So we're giving away this really expensive television. And the deal is that the three of us, Tim and Sarah and myself, go up there, and, you know, we're going to draw the name, and we're going to announce the name of the lucky client in attendance who has won this television. 
And we all want to sort of be, you know, we want to make it look like a, like a team effort. You were good. You were on. And so we go up there, and the deal was I was going to do the introduction like, hey, look at us, blah, 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 and sort of, you know, like, like juggle and dance or whatever. And then Sarah was going to draw the name. Tim was going to announce the name. And then the winning client would come up. We'd hand them the television and say, CBS, appreciate your business. And then every, everybody would be happy. That was what was supposed to happen. Here's what <laughs> did happen. So we go up there, and I kind of do my introduction. Hey, Rick and Tim and Sarah, look at us. Aren't we wacky? You know, and, and whatever. Sarah, I bring the box over. Sarah reaches in and pulls out a name. I hand the name, or Sarah hands the name to Tim. Tim gets on the microphone and it's all a bit blurry for me at this point, but I, I think basically what there, happened there is... Two, there were two women with the same first name, two with a last name that was similar, There's except for one letter. Oh, I brought, the, I brought the winning ticket with me. Here's what Tim said. Tim said, and the television goes to Denise... Or, I'm not sure if I read it, it was, that manner. It was something kind of like that. There was an H, and then there was an I N. It, I heard an H and an N. And it was... <laughs> that was kind of what it was. And so a woman stands up and says, hooray, it's me. And she begins walking toward the stage. When at the same time... She's walking toward the... From the me. other side of the stage, there's another woman and So the woman, I only see the first woman approaching the stage. And she goes, hey, it's me, I won. And so I look down and she's wearing one of those hello, my name is tags. Denise Ferber. Yeah, and so she's walking to me when she says, hey, that's me. And so I have no reason to believe that she's lying or incorrect or whatever. So I just look at her name tag. And I sort of get, I say, I say, well, all right, Denise Hinton, good for you. Well done. Congratulations. Not realizing that is, in fact, I think, not the name you read. You read, I think there was a Hinton. There's a Hinton and a Hampton. And then there was a Denise Hampton. Hampton. I mean, what are the odds of that? I mean, same first name, very similar last name, both at the same event. And then I guess you sort of muffled the name just enough that they both thought they had won. And so there we are handing a television to the wrong to the wrong me. I am there handing a television uh, to the wrong so person. Awkward. Me stone cold sober by the way. I'm not sure it no, I think it might have been the correct woman. I don't know. The, the point is, there were two women. You handed it to the, yeah, the blonde woman at first, and that was the wrong woman. Yeah, and so and then that I had was, to, that was Denise Hampton. And then I think I had to take it back from her and give it no, to the other woman. I didn't notice you took the TV. Back. Well, because I think she was the wrong winner. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, she was the wrong one, and so you had to give it to the short-haired lady. It's like Wallace and Gromit with the wrong trousers, but it was the wrong winner. <laughs> and so there's me going. I mean, you really had to be there. Here's for... here's a television. Oh no, I'm sorry. And then I'm like, this, I'm sorry, paying this client. Like Nine hundred dollar television. No, no, no. Let me pull it back and give it to this but, other but one halfway right through, here. Halfway through it, I realized that these are valuable advertisers. <laughs> these are not people off the street who are just sitting in the audience. And I, I just realized. I think we just took a TV away from a valuable advertiser. <laughs> After putting it in her hands. I know. Here you go. Here's the television. Oh, not so fast. <laughs> and so, I don't even remember what I said. Man, but I was just but, half but, dancing like a bastard. Like, I think it's is, awkward. The good yeah. part is, I know you, you kept talking until you straightened it out. Oh, you would have still been talking until... Rick Emerson doesn't everyone. fold under pressure. He babbles. He goes on incoherently. He yeah, runs at the mouth. He both, doesn't fold, though. And Sarah Jillian and I both on stage say, Please wrap this up like and stop talking. Back. You're just what? getting us in deeper. <laughs> We're, like, hiding behind you, like, Oh, my God, did he just do that? I think he just Seriously, after handing, like, a $900 television, putting it in the hands yeah, of an advertiser, and then taking it back and going, No, 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 it goes to this woman instead. And then... And, and you have to remember that the two people who are involved are major advertisers. These are not... 
people we can afford to. Is the the other part the other part worth noting is about ten feet away watching this intently are our general manager. <laughs> And and then the and senior the vice, vice president <laughs> over there going. And this is our midday show. They are very adept at effing things up. So that was great. And, and never so I just <laughs> get to the other part. So I just sat there and just just tap danced and just. Hey, and and you did it well. We and, were we were so happy that you straightened it out somehow. And of course, as, we didn't know at that time. What you were and as I always do, you know, I just punted and I said, "Hey, Susan Reynolds, how should we handle this?" And Susan looked at me and she just goes. I don't know. You but, fix it. But she was standing there laughing so hard, her eyeballs were popping up. And so, <laughs> and so, to their credit, uh, CBS, uh, Dave McDonald was like, he, he he saw that he's like, you know what? We'll give them both a television. So he, so Dave McDonald, our general manager, stepped in and made up for our mistake. And he just right then and there said, okay, CBS will give them each a television because we've muffed it so spectacularly. That was so awesome. Really? Like literally in a stroke of about three se three seconds or however long it took you to say the name and for me to misidentify them, we cost CBS like $1,000. <laughs> I mean, like that. <laughs> they should give us something a little more complicated to do. Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to keep I, this name tag for the wrong winner, though, and keep it tacked up in my office to, yeah. as you, you know, like to remind me to be humble. Because he has to stick it in the in the Oh, man. Thing. The next time I think about telling anybody, you need to keep your wits about you tonight. These are important <laughs> people, Sarah. I can't have you gumming up the works, Sarah. You, you need to speak to the person who doesn't drink. <laughs> Sarah, I'm going to be on my game, and I need you to do the same. Sarah Dillon, you can't screw the... And then I cost CBS $1,000 literally fairness, in like five seconds. In all fairness, I heard there were some other minor things that, that had nothing to do with us. Oh, dude. We didn't have anything to do with something wrong? Man, you don't... You, Yay! Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's CBS, and so it's radio, and it's booze. I saw... I saw so many people doing things and saying things that they probably... I was watching Paul Holama all night, because we were like, yeah. uh, at the beginning of the night, I was, who was I ta talking to someone, we were taking a poll as to who we thought would be the drunkest person, and they named an unknown salesperson who I didn't really know, and then sure enough, whoever they picked was the right person. Oh, yeah. It was some dude who was just schnockered at the end of it. I think I always just live in fear of like, I just, my whole thing is like, I just don't want us to be that. Mm -hmm. I don't want the next day to be like, did you see some of those people from AM 970? Dear God. To think that we employ them. They're an embarrassment. You need to be they take televisions away from crippled children. <laughs> and advertisers. Jesus. Oh, man. The best night ever. Wow. Well, so there you go. So the moral of the story is... Classy. We don't do these things very often. There, well, I don't think we'll be asked to do another one. Oh, by the way, and then we really do have to break. By the way, I should say this: it wasn't all. It wasn't so much that we cost CBS a thousand bucks by giving, by giving and then taking away a television from an advertiser. Uh, um, it's that apparently of the four of us that went up to introduce people or to give stuff away, the Playhouse guys who we met and who were great, by the way, they really were. I, I you know, didn't. You're all a little nervous. That, that, you know, it's the whole thing about like you know, it, it, it's like. It, it, it's just you just never know, you know, because you hear people on the radio and then you just whatever. Well, we're kind of like a family down here, and yeah. it's kind of like you know, like your dad gets remarried, and, and it's no, like, and, and then, then they're like new kids coming in, and, and then the new like, step like are, your brothers and sisters, and, and you, you don't really know. Them. Instinctively, you're like, I don't know, they're different. They're people. They're interlopers. They're not, you know, and you just be because it's not, you know, because it sort of is a. Because it's causing a sort of change, and, you know, we all kind of right. react poorly to change. And, and unless they were doing something, they were hidden somewhere in some closet. Yeah. Until they were ready to bring them out. Mm. And so um, and so it's a whole thing of, I don't know, something's different. And it was, uh, you know, so we weren't quite sure what to expect, but they were really cool. So we'll say for the record, we met those guys, and they were great. So, um, we met, Yeah, we didn't meet all of them. We met a couple of them. Uh, PK we met, PK and, and Ivan. Ivan, and, uh, and yeah. Fiance. Yeah, and they were great. Yeah, but I guess they got out to introduce something, and I think... 
I think they left out some crucial piece of information, too, like they, they forgot somebody's name or whatever. And then Brad Dahlbeer from Cahiz is the only guy who did it correctly, and then I gave away a television by mistake. <laughs> and then Court and Fatboy got up immediately after us. And, and Court was like, did you... He was, like, plowing through the people, and he had had a few... And through the booze, by the way. Yeah, and, and he he knocked over a chair, and instead of riding the chair, did you see him just carry it to yeah, the stage? Yeah, carried the chair with him to the stage. He was like, somebody might need this chair. And then, what are you doing? Well, I, I'm zen I with the, what that was about. I'm zen with the fact, by the way, that we're just going to have to stick with this yeah. until Steve Kastamon comes up. But here's Court and Fatboy's great moment. So it wasn't just that, like, I gave away a television by mistake, or that the Playhouse guys forgot somebody's name, or that... You know, like Court and Fatboy screwed. It was like that all of it happened like in succession. Like one after the like other. Because we, we all did go one there after the other. There was a 75% failure rate in well, terms of DJs doing like, things. It was at the very end of the drinking. Yeah. Um, but um, That's true, because everyone was pounding between yeah. like 4 and 4.30 before the presentation started. And Jesus. Yeah, by that point, it was like past 6. And so Court and Fatboy get up there, and they're supposed to introduce a band called Griffin House, I guess, is the name of the band. Called the Westing House or something. No, he goes... He, they were good. They were supposed to introduce an artist named Griffin House. And so Court and Fatboy get up there, and they got up there late, by the way, so the artist, I think, had already started like talking to the crowd, like, hey, it's great to be here. And Court and Fatboy go, go up and take the microphone, I think, and started talking. So I think they interrupted the artist, first of all, because Court and Fatboy thought that they were giving something away to an advertiser. And so here's Court. He's like, all right, the winner is Griffin House. Is Griffin House here? I'm looking for Mr. Oh House. Goodness. I'm looking for Mr. House. Is there a Mr. Griffin House? You've won, uh, you've won some Sun River trade. And meanwhile, the guys are going, oh, that's me. We're the band. We're right here. <laughs> we're, I think we're supposed to play now. Griffin House? Hey, somebody seen Griffin. He's just telling me one Sun River trade. We're right here. We're the band. So it was just oh, like one genius. big rolling disaster. <laughs> I mean, the rest of the evening went really well. We should say that. But as soon as they handed things over to the DJs, it all went in the toilet. And that was funny, too, because Court and Fatboy, because more and more time kept going by. And the show starts at 7, right? Yeah. And it's like 6.45, 7, and they're 7.15. Drunk. And they're still there. I'm like, are you supposed to be on the air? Where he's like, oh, no, no, it's cool. We, we decided to record the first hour. <laughs> That's, that makes it extra funny, then, that I came back last night. like, I don't know. Oh, that's Sarah. You know, meanwhile, they're, like, listing around in the studio, clearly no, in the bag. poor person, like, put together a pasta for the first hour so they could stay and drink the free booze. Oh, man. Jesus. It I was, love radio. Why not invite us to your next party? <laughs> Bot Mitzvah coming up? Keep the Rick Emerson show in mind. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> I didn't really think about the fact that, yeah, you did screw CBS out of $1,000. I cost CBS $1,000 in you know, the blink of an back, eye. We give back so much more uh-huh. every day. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From, from New York City. <laughs> CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Quite funny. Wow. How much of that did you hear? Oh, most of it. <laughs> did you catch the part where I cost CBS $1,000 in like 10 seconds? No, that part I missed. Uh, real briefly, because people just had to hear the whole story. But uh, we were at a, we had a sort of a, an extravaganza, sort of a shindig last night for clients, both present and future. And we were doing some, and they brought the DJs up to give away, like you know, prizes or whatever to some of the some of the advertisers. And right. we were supposed to give away thousand dollar television. And Tim sort of muffled the name when he said it. And so two women with almost identical names from different companies both came up thinking they won the television. I handed it to the I handed it the wrong one. to the wrong person and then had to take it back and give it to somebody else. Nice. And then CBS had to step up and just buy them both television. So I cost CBS a thousand dollars, like it's just in a stroke of a pen, you know, just in like that. I cost CBS a grand. That's I'm, the power of the Rick Emerson show. I don't just make money for CBS. 
I can cost them money like nobody's business. Nobody costs them money faster than I do. That was a good move. <laughs> wow. Uh, it was just, it was the best of nights. It was the worst of nights. So the moral <laughs> is, DJs, microphone, and free bar, uh, you can have two of those things. You can't ever have all three of them. No, yeah. You know, I used to host nights in clubs uh, when I was uh, a music DJ years ago, and uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want to mix the three. <laughs> well, all right. So get to have us there and, and give us a couple of free drinks at the bar, but but don't make us responsible for anything, too. Well, and the best part of the evening is, as I'm sure I'll be reminded of at the end of time, the best part of the evening is earlier I'd sort of spoken to Sarah. I'm like, well, you know, probably uh, moderate your alcohol intake. You don't want to make any mistakes tonight in front of the bosses. And then I cost CBS $1,000. <laughs> I, I gave a television away in, and then had to take it back from an advertiser. That's awesome. Give me that TV back. Oh, for the love of... All right, well, in any event. Um, hey, so I know that there's nothing people in New York like more than to talk about things happening in Iowa. Uh, but so, but this is... Here's the thing. Because I don't live in Iowa, I don't really know anybody who lives in Iowa, and I don't really buy a lot of corn. But this is sort of a... I mean, this is a, a big deal. Like, I thought it was just a little flooding, but this is like a serious, full-on disaster happening there, right? Yes, it's starting to look like New Orleans in a lot of areas, yes. New Orleans after Katrina, of course. Yes. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. I'm sorry, I didn't, because of their many beignets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and so this is, so we had uh, what we had, the, the sort of rice shortage, which we now all believe just to be a hoax. I think that was just some stuff people were making up. Then we had, uh, like, uh, tomatoes are apparently killing everybody on the West Coast. Uh, and then there's, you know, the, the gas and the oil, and the, so it costs more to ship everything. And then now... So this is, I mean, is this going to, like, screw everybody, or is this only going to screw people who, I don't know, no. eat a lot of tortilla chips or something? No, it's going to it's gonna be a mess for all of us. Uh, basically, Iowa is the number one uh, corn-producing state in the nation. They've lost anywhere between 1 and 3 million acres of corn production land. They expect the corn harvest to be off by as much as 12%, and now prices were already high because of, the increased demand for corn because of ethanol and other things, well, now it's going to go up even more. And, and it's not just corn. It's, you know, corn goes into feed for livestock, so beef, pork, and chicken, that'll all go up in price. Uh, ethanol will go up. Anything that's got everybody's favorite, uh, you know, corn syrup in there, they're the high fruct fructose corn syrup, those things will go up in price. And the soybean uh, um crop is is in trouble also you know what there ought to be there ought to be some sort of mutual fund you can get into that's just like a disaster stock uh there ought to be some company because i think my uh, my wife was looking at some sort of uh you know you can you can sort of put your money into these things where it's just like sin stocks you know where it literally is just like it's it's just like booze and companies that own casinos and then for some reason, like the military industrial complex always seems to be in there, too. You know, my wife will say, well, look, I, uh, I bought shares in like such and such fund. And it's all uh, just like whiskey and guns and, uh, you know, and, and poker tables or something. So there ought to be uh, some company that gets into this with like a disaster stock package where the minute that something starts to happen bad somewhere else, the minute there's a tornado, flood, salmonella, whatever, the company immediately invests you like right into corn because I would imagine that this, the corn is kind of hitting an all-time high probably. Yeah, oh, definitely. You're actually hitting upon something because I read an article about this uh, just the other day about uh, not just the corn, you know, like the, the things that will be affected negatively, but there are companies out there that actually make a profit off, off of disaster relief now, that they get contracted to do all this stuff, 
in uh, not just in the U.S., but uh, in countries overseas, and that's where they really make a lot of money. Like, for instance, there's uh, some company in Canada that uh, markets these temporary uh, housing shelters for areas like uh, Southeast Asia after there's a, a terrible tsunami or something like that, let's say. And instead of hiring people locally to do it with local um, uh, resources, this company in Canada often gets contracted to go in there at a greater expense than it would if they used local people to build, uh, you know, temporary housing made out of a sort of styrofoam and, and temporary, you know, thin wood and, and whatnot. And they make a profit off of it. I just, it, it seems like this is, in America, we really are, uh, we specialize in making a have-not into a have. So that's exactly the kind of thing that we, it'd be like one of those things where you have a standing order. Uh, that as soon as some huge flash flood destroys a valuable crop, like your broker is on the phone, like putting you deep into soybeans or you know, whatever whatever the hell it is. So well, there are definitely, there are definitely uh, commodities traders that, that speculate uh, uh, based on the weather forecast. I mean, you have to when you're in that. Uh, when you're dealing with commodities that, that are dependent on the weather, they definitely look at that forecast and say, hey, you know, there's uh, storms percolating out there. We definitely got to start throwing more money into corn and soybeans. All right, my friend. Keep in mind, by the way, if you're having any sort of a shindig at CNN and you'd like uh, the Rick Emerson show to come and cost your company money and create embarrassment, we are available at all times. Really, oh, for... I'm, I'm sure we could find some way for you to, to uh, cost us money. There's anybody that you would like to alienate, offend, irritate, or annoy, the Rick Emerson show is really your best... <laughs> Really, just for the cost of a couple plane tickets, we can be there and get that job done like nobody else. Duly noted. All right. Thank you, my friend. As always, pleasure. We will talk to you soon. So long, guys. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. So I was talking to Steve yesterday, and he's going to take me um, to see the CNN Center when I go to New York. Oh, the one that's right there in – where is it at? Do you know? I don't know. Oh, I think it's uh, it's near that, uh, the big plaza. Oh, like Rockefeller, like near Rockefeller Center? I, I think so, yeah. Hey, you know what? You know that photo that you've got in your living room of the guys drinking lunch on an I-beam? Mm -hmm. That famous photo? You know what I found out? You know what that building that is? That's 30 Rock. Really? That is, that is, I was looking that photo up online. That is, uh, that is a picture of 30 Rock, which is where all those, you know, famous shows come out of. Oh, that's uh, cool. Like SNL comes out of there, and I think uh, Letterman was there for the longest time, and... I think now it's like a... Oh, I guess it's not in the same area. I was going to say it's on the street. But. Yeah, I mean, Tim could probably tell you more about that. So many great television shows have come out of there, but that is the 30 Rock building those guys are building when they're doing that. Okay, so. that's pretty cool. All right, well, we should... We're going to do the high concept. Do we need to take a break? No, I'm just... I squished them together. All right. Okay, well, fantastic. All right, so... Uh, all right. What am I even doing now? High concept. I know. I, gotta turn this I keep looking at this name tag from the woman that... For the, the aborted giveaway. i got to turn that over. All that right. That was, you know... It's neat, because we never get to do those kind of things. No, like, we don't. It's, like, it's almost radio hard party. to imagine. It's, it's almost... It was all, like, fancy pants, too. Yes, it was. It was and it was, like, delicious food and everything. Yes. Yes, it was. And then delicious shame and failure. <laughs> I just remember Court going, Griffin House? Is Mr. Griffin House here? And the guys, we're Griffin, we're standing right next to you. We're the, you interrupted us. And we play. <laughs> oh, man. And then we look over, and Susan Reynolds has just got her head in her hands, and is just sort of wishing that the floor would open up and swallow her. And Lisa Wood can, oh. you know, she can drink, and she was just powering down, because it was like all, you know, fancy drinks, it was all yeah. Grey Goose and everything, and so she's just like, it's Grey Goose, how can I not be drinking it? And she's got, like, more and more. Oh, and then Sarah Wagner, that was funny. There were many, many things that happened last night that, um, not in any event. All right, we should move oh, on. Oh, that was kind of awkward. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. I, I still firmly believe that, don't you? I also believe it, Sarah. Okay, thank you. We shouldn't say anything more about it. Okay. But I'm just glad we're still in the same boat.
Because the reaction, the reaction just seems okay. We're moving forward. We're going to take a moment and all right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seven. Here's what's coming up later on today. I got to go take a claret in here in a minute. Uh, coming up later on today, see, uh, uh, we will have uh, Tim Riley with the new news hour. Uh, we'll have the top five album opening uh, tracks of all time, uh, and uh, we'll talk about the. Well, some other crap. Uh, but, so we got this. I want to at least start this here. And I don't know. We, we may have to like sort of split it up in different sections. But we got this. Uh, subject on this email. Self-serving high concept idea. This is from Anonymous. It says, Dear God, most definitely Anonymous. So I will kind of give you the phone numbers in advance here. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. He says, Hey, I could use some gathered wisdom and thought. Maybe it would make a good high concept at some point, uh, preferably sooner rather than later. Let's say you want to go out of your way to impress a girl by making sure that when she finally comes to your place to stay for a while, it doesn't leave a bad taste in her mouth. I'm not talking a one-night stand kind of girl, but someone who'll be staying with you for a while and on whom you want to make a remarkable impression. What must you have in your apartment or house? This is from a guy, obviously. What must you have in your apartment or house? What must you absolutely not have? If you don't have any paintings or pictures or posters on the walls, should you put some up? Should you have... Pl- Seriously. Boy, goddamn guys are just pathetic and desperate. I mean, no offense, dude. I mean, this is somebody that we, this is somebody that we, that we know and like, but... I'm not trying to call, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make him feel bad. I'm just saying, I mean, look, I'm a guy. I'm no better. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with anything. But I'm just, because women don't have to worry about this. This is, women don't have to, I don't know, what should I have with, in my apartment so that a guy will like me? Only guys have to worry about this. Should you have houseplants? Should you have a couple interesting books laying around to make you look like a worldly genius? That's what you want to do is pretend to be something you're not, sir. Should you have a hidden bar, or is it okay to keep it out for company? Or does a bar say, I have lots of ladies over, and I like to get them drunk? It would be great to come up with some sort of a list that one could say, oh, I don't know, walk through and check mark line by line to make sure if everything is covered. Anything. Here's where it gets really weird, by the way, and this is why this is a person who clearly needs our advice. Anything in particular that might score huge points. Now, here, this is a male listener of ours. who had. Now, do you know... His relationship with this woman who's coming to stay, have they been intimate in the past? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I know that he's liked her for a long time. and Is it reciprocal? Well, she's coming to stay with him for a while. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she's just coming for the weekend. Or... Is she coming in a platonic sense, though? Like, is she like, well, I don't know, we'll hang out. Or is it like, you ought to come and hang out with me for a while? And she says, okay. I'm wondering know. how close the deal is to already being, like, closed. It doesn't sound like he's trying to impress her enough to, to get her to, like, sleep with him or something. It's, it, it seems like he really wants to come off as, like, a normal good guy. Maybe? Yeah, I think that he wants to sleep with her. Anyway, he says, here's where it gets really sad. He says, <laughs> I know. is there anything in particular sad. that might score huge points? Maybe. Wait for it. Keep in Don't mind this. say it. Keep, say it. In, keep in mind, this is a man emailing to ask what he should have around the house when a woman comes to stay for a few days. Listen to this. Anything in particular that might score huge points? Maybe having some feminine hygiene products and stuff in a basket in the bathroom to say, hey, I'm a dude, but here's some stuff that's less dude-oriented just for you. Or is that stupid? Yes, that's stupid. I'm so sorry, but... It's been a long time since I've had a female friend over that wasn't a booty call, so I haven't had to impress anybody for years, and I'm pretty sure that just tossing around lube and sex toys like some sort of parade ticker tape Bristol style is not the way to a special one's heart. Uh, so there you go. All right, so we will now take your phone calls on this subject. First of all, let me just say, I'm not even... 
I don't even have, uh, you know, I don't even have breasts, and I know that you don't. You, no, d- d- do not buy anything in a basket. Do not buy feminine. <laughs> you know what? That would be the creepiest thing I ever go to. I'm going to lay some Kotex all you around the house. Tampon for you. <laughs> I made a tampon flower for you. It's a bouquet of tampons. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> don't make any reference to her period. I mean, that's ever. The, that's the thing. It's like, look, no. I know you're going to be uh, bleeding soon. Yeah, so I thought you were just. She's been handling it by herself for years. You're sure she'll be taken care of. Presumably she's not 13. I mean, I think she will know when it's nature's special time. So, all right. Um, there's And the thing is, there's no, there's no, like, male equivalent. Like, there's nothing. I mean, unless unless a woman had like hemorrhoid cream or something. For here you go. I know that you get flare-ups occasionally, so I thought you might like to. If a woman's coming to stay with you, you do not buy tampons and just. Li- First of all, because she's gonna think no matter what you say, she's gonna think you're from the last girl you that you lived with. That's the thing. Or else she's just gonna think you're weird. They just start shopping for tampons. That you've got some sort of weird menstruation fetish. Yeah. Or that you're afraid she's gonna attract bears. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Is it me? Yes, it is, sir. Hello. Fantastic. Okay, I know exactly what you need. Okay. Uh, several leather-bound books and the smell of rich mahogany. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. And what you don't need? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Oh, boy. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. First of all, basket of Kotex. That is ridiculous. I'm going to call this band <laughs> Basket of Kotex. Yeah. Uh, the only dating advice my old man ever gave me, and it's worked every time, you're going to have a girl over... Make sure your bathroom is clean. Uh, and and also, I would say this. If you're going to have a girl uh, clean things, that, I mean, not just the obvious stuff. For example, uh, you can lift up the seat and clean underneath that. But, you know, the other thing that guys always forget to clean is that area between the back of the seat and the tank. You know what yeah, I'm talking or the, about? Or the faint trail down the front of the bowl that no one ever seems to catch. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing. Uh, women yeah. will notice things. like Women will notice things like that, and they will notice if you don't clean the underside of the faucet sometimes in the bathroom. Yes. Little or things the, like that. The shaving trimmings around the sink that you don't clean up because you don't see them. Do that, and also, here's the other thing that guys will sometimes, and some women, but guys will just let slide for an eternity, is the... Uh, you know the floor, the, 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 the you know the floor of the bathtub. You know what I mean, where oh, your yeah. feet go. I mean, sure. it, because you know, guys, you get into a shower and guys just look. And plus, guys typically don't bathe. Guys will shower, but you know, yeah. guys don't draw a bubble bath and just sit yeah, around. I haven't taken a bath since I was a kid. I it, yeah, you don't take a. I mean, because guys are all about efficiency, in and out, done. Sure. And so, guys will get into a shower and they will just look straight ahead, which means that occasionally they will clean the shower walls. But then you look down at your feet and it's like you're just ankle deep in mold. So you don't want to yeah, be that guy. No, for sure. But a clean bathroom definitely goes a long way. All right, thank you, sir. All right. All right, there you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Um, yeah, he kind of stole my thunder a little bit with the clean bathroom, but there's one thing that will turn off any woman at any time, and that is hair on the bar of the soap in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. If there's hair yeah. on that soap, you're dead meat. I would say uh, that what you want to do is you want to anything that she is going to have to use in any sort of a bathroom sense, you want to you want to zero it out and start from scratch. You get a brand new yeah, bar of soap. Go buy brand new soap. Don't yeah, don't like leave it in the wrapper because you want you, no. you know because that would just be weird. And she's like then then it, she knows that you've done all this weird no, prep. No, take it out of the wrapper, buy a brand new bar of soap, and don't and uh, don't buy the the soap that like guys totally use. Buy something that. Women are going to want to buy a big bar of lava. You know, yeah, no lava soap. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, here's the other thing, and then we're centering a lot in the bathroom here. Um, The other thing is, 
keep your supplemental rolls of toilet paper somewhere where they are really, really visible. Perhaps in, you know, you can do like that basket on the back of the toilet, on the tank or whatever, the basket that has like rolled up washcloths or, you know, whatever, extra soap or like a roll. Because, because the nightmare, of course, scenario is if the woman is in the bathroom and runs out of toilet paper and then she has to be, um, you have another roll of, of toilet paper because then... Because I think women, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think women sort of like to operate as though they don't have bodily functions. So I think the last thing a woman wants to do is to bring it to your attention that she has to use toilet paper for anything. All right, so I heard from the person that this is about. Yeah. He said, so the girl's coming to visit for a week or two, but she's definitely already thinking about moving there. She's been bragging about him to her family and friends. It's somewhat of a dumb deal. I just don't want to screw it up, and I'd love to sleep with her at some point, but just, mostly I just don't want to screw things up. And the basket of feminine stuff, I meant bath soap, not tampons. Ew. I, he says feminine hygiene. He does. Right here. Feminine hygiene doesn't mean soap. I mean, unless there's some sort of special... It's nature's special soap. Some special down there soap that I'm not familiar with. Uh, it's her other soap. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. What's up? Go immediately to Powell's. Purchase a copy of Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead and uh, Kierkegaard's Fear and Trembling and Sickness Under Death. And then pretend like you've read them and know everything about them. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, someone who has been there several times, including within the past year, go out and make sure you've got several sets of good bed linens. One set that you recycle every week or two won't cut it. Yeah, and I would say when you get that stuff, always make sure that you wash it when it comes out of the uh, package. Otherwise, it has that weird stiff, just came from the store feel. Well, aside from that, it's got that weird look. It's like when you look at an advertisement and you see some guy wearing a white shirt, and you know it just came out of the bag at the photo shoot. I would say, uh, if I mean, I would I would vote yes on the houseplant thing, though. Uh, I don't know if we're, I don't know if this guy has any pets or not, but if you have a houseplant, it does indicate. Uh, that you have something of an aesthetic sense, that you are sensitive in some sort of low-grade way, and that you have follow-through to keep things alive. So if you don't have a pet, a plant almost functions as a surrogate pet in some ways, but it indicates that you care enough to keep another object alive. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at you. It's just I was going to say, having a pet is good, but it's a little late to get one. And if you do have a pet that you didn't keep alive, get rid of it. Yeah, get that out of the freezer. All right, thank you. Ew, right. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, back on the bathroom thing, I would stifle any kind of prescription drugs like Prozac or Viagra or anything like that. That might be kind of embarrassing. That is probably, in fact, I would say... Because like, yeah, I'd say get her totally out of the bathroom. Yeah, no, no, no. I would say, yeah, you, because, she's, because she might be nosy and, like, open your medicine cabinet and stuff. Because everybody does. Uh, I, I would say you do that and, um, you know, and plus, guys will, it's not just, like, prescription. Guys will leave weird things in there, like like a pair of rusty tweezers that are just sitting on the middle shelf of the medicine cabinet, like for no reason. So yeah. I would go through. You take out everything, and you stick it in the bag, and just stash it under your bed or you know whatever, someplace that she's probably uh, probably not going to be looking. Yeah, so. if she's sketchy. She's going to steal your 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 uh, your bike in there. If she, or if she's a nice girl, she sees the Prozac, she's going to bolt. So. Yeah, totally. All right, thank All right. you, sir. Yeah. All right, there you go. Well, we'll revisit this later on in the day, but there's a good that's a good first slew of calls about it. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. We'll take a break. Come back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, later on today's top five, more of your... What? What? More of your calls coming up later on and uh, so forth. Oh, and I've got uh, one fantastic idea and one interesting observation that I've heard that. We'll do those uh, around the corner. I know you can't wait. Uh, all right. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. My wife, she done left me for a plumber named Bill. 
the Rick Emerson radio program. Thanks so much. Oh, by the way, we should uh, we should give shouts out or shout outs or whatever uh, to everybody who sort of it, who put together you know, like the big presentation for the extravaganza yesterday. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Teresa Daywell, you know, Bridget, uh, you know, from upstairs, and Susan Reynolds, everybody, and then the Jones soda bottles, which were righteous. Oh, did you snag any? Uh, I didn't, but there's some stashed for us. Okay, uh, that's they, what uh, I heard. Yeah, no special stash. Yeah, Teresa uh, Daywell was nice enough Thank to sort of set aside for us, but they her. they did these uh, these cool. Uh, six packs of Jones Soda, where each bottle uh, had a different label from one of the... It, anyway, so there was like a bottle that had the couple morning crew, and there was a bottle that had the playhouse, and then there was a bottle that had our pictures on it, which is... They, you know, can I just say for a moment, as much as we sort of uh, complain about things, or we sort of convince occasionally... You know, there's some cool stuff in this life, and in this job, and you know yeah. what? You get to see a soda bottle made with your, pic- your picture on it, that's pretty cool. So, you know, you don't get to do that a lot. I sleep better at night knowing that. <laughs> this is, says, uh, Rick, let me get this straight. Out of all the jobs you could have given to God's own newsman, you asked Tim Riley to pronounce a name. I hadn't really thought about that. Maybe that was ill-advised. Perhaps we should have done that in reverse. Maybe Boy, I that whole thing wouldn't have happened. the name out of the box? Boy, that's like a whole thing when you look back, at, you know, and you just go, God, if only the Titanic had just taken those bulkheads all the way to the top. If only, the, if only that guy in the Carpathian hadn't been oversleeping. So... Yeah, if I had just said, Tim, draw the name, Sarah, read the name. Sarah, stone sober, would have done it properly. Let's not go overboard. Not stone sober. No. <laughs> still the other party. Sarah, somewhat sober, would have done You still would have... Somewhat sober, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Darkly dreaming Dexter. Oh, good God. Uh, and then this one says, uh, hey, Rick, you waste CBS money faster than Katie Couric. It takes her 37 and a half minutes to waste 1,000 CBS dollars. Well done, Rick. Well done. But well, we deserve our own chance every now and then. Yeah. All right. Here's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Forty Van Cooperites get in a trailer park brawl and two people are stabbed. Two are stabbed. One is arrested following a brawl involving 40 people. A police responded to a fight. Involving 40 people, some of them armed with weapons, at Callahan's trailer park. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, the, you're doing this faster than I can make the jokes. So I was going to ask if this was some sort of a steel cage and if Mean Gene Okerlund was doing the play-by-play oh, on this. Uh, Callahan's trailer park. Callahan's? Uh, big big Tom Callahan? Yeah, so, well, I'm not sure. Uh, somebody called 911 reported one man was armed with a machete and another with a knife. Was the Action 5 news team there? I don't think so. What do you mean one man was armed with a machete? Where was this? The Couve. At Callahan's trailer park. There's 40 people fighting at a trailer park. One of them has a machete and the other has a knife. Uh Did somebody kill a man with a trident? Let's see. Police recovered a large samurai sword and a small homemade dagger. (laughs) How do 40 people even get into a fight? How does that even start? I mean, unless you're in a bar. I don't know. What do people fight about in trailer parks? Somebody must know. But, I mean... My double wide's bigger than your double wide. Did it start... What does that mean, double wide? It's a double wide trailer. It's two trailers together. In one. I don't think I've ever... It, it is the upper class of trailers. It Wait, is. so what is a single wide? Just a skinny little thing that looks like, you know, a, a sardine can. Is so a... When you see those trailers that look more like houses, those are that's two trailers together. End to end? No, side by oh, side. Side, side by, by side. Okay, fair enough. You know, I hear that, but then I never know it. So it's sort of, it's the Rolls Royce of the trailer world. Yes. The Escalade of the mobile home, uh, whatever. All right, so... And that's all we know about this. So, but I'm thinking, okay, so let's say, I mean, I was going to say two, but let's even say it's five. Let's say five people start fighting in a trailer park. Not an unreasonable proposition, I would say. How do you get from five to 40? 
I mean, literally, it sounds like almost everybody in the trailer park must have been fighting. Maybe they knocked on doors saying, come on out and join us. And, <laughs> and then they, they took sides. Leon's getting his ass kicked. Let's go. Uh, and then at what point does a guy go to his wall and... Like when the when the samurai sword comes out, I'm totally picturing a guy sort of like going up to a hidden uh, wall inside his trailer park. Say, I promised my father that this would never be used again, but sometimes events are beyond our control. Avenge me, my son. Totally. The door opens, and then like fog rolls out, and then inside, under the golden glow of a recessed light, is the samurai sword, and he takes it off the wall, and you know, vengeance. And then he goes out into the trailer park. And then somewhere within this trailer park, they made this small homemade dagger, so they had some time on their hands. Right. Or maybe it was something they had been working on for a long time. Were they all arrested? No, only a couple. But there's 40 people. Whatever. They went back to the trailer. All right. Well, anyway, whatever about... people do in a trailer park. Okay. So, with the rising gas prices, they're shortening the work week for Clark County Public Works employees. So they now have a uh, a new program. In effect, you can work 10 hours a day and only four four days a week. And I, I would assume that a lot of other industries are doing the same thing and workplaces. So instead of five days, people are going to work four. Maybe at some point it will be down to three. And these are Clark County, like city employees, or not county. city employees, but county, county employees. Public works employees. Is there nothing else to do? Is there is there is there that little work in Clark County that you can just uh, cut by 20% the number of hours people are working? Exactly. They'll save 20% in fuel savings. But, I mean... But that doesn't seem to make any sense. It makes sense to people in government. But, I, but that's what I'm saying. It doesn't have to make sense to you. <laughs> but, I mean, government isn't really like, they're not really johnning on the spot when it comes to making the most of their time anyway. Working lo- working fewer, longer days will conserve 6,500 oh. gallons of fuel. Okay, but are they, so are they going to work, wait, so they're going to work 10-hour days? Correct. Oh, well, there Four you go. Days. Never mind. Okay. The problem, you know what? Enough? Problem solved. I had all kinds of issues. Now they'll have it. more time to have brawls and trailer parks. What's <laughs> <laughs> their set up? I'm just trying don't to get my brain. Daggers. I don't think I've ever seen more. I'm trying to think of the largest fight I've ever seen. I mean, the, the, the biggest number of people that I have ever seen involved in a fight at one time. The L.A. riots would be mine. Yeah, but this doesn't really, but that doesn't, I don't think that counts. That's something more than a fight, I think. I don't think that's. I've seen it like shows, like uh, in a pit or something. Yeah. I mean, not, that's, in, not in life. I was at a party one I've time in high school. There was a guy. I was at a party at my friend Brian's house one time. And a fight broke out because, and this is the sort of thing that only really happens when it's a bunch of drunk dudes in a room together. A guy was in the kitchen constructing like a very, like he put a lot of time into building a giant pyramid. And then another another guy, this guy Lacey, came in and he tripped and he fell into the pyramid and knocked it over. And then next to the end, it was like the whole kitchen exploded in violence. And, and that's kind of great. Like being in the in the vicinity of a fight like that is both great and terrifying because it's fascinating to watch and it's sort of exciting in a mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom kind of way. But at the same time, it is like seeing a fight in a pit at a show where it's sort of fascinating. And you want to get as close as you possibly can without being close enough. Without being sucked in. That's it. Like pulled, like getting your pant leg caught in the sort of piece of machinery being pulled right in. You don't want to be sucked into the melee. So I remember being at Brian's house, seeing uh, Lacey trip fall into the pyramid. It, immediately the fight just sort of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Guys who are just on the periphery are sucked into this sort of mid-kitchen conflagration. And then you know at some point the meat tenderizer is going to come out. I mean, that's the one thing you know that somebody's immediately going to go for. So I think I watched for about 30 seconds, and then I just decided to show myself the door because it seemed like there was no good into that. Well, in an event. Here's Tim Riley. So the story changes again, as this candy man who claimed that he was shot by a burglar insists he was indeed shot by a burglar. Now, the story we had... Yesterday afternoon, changed the story, saying he shot himself. Now he said, that didn't happen that way. 
The incident began uh, yesterday morning with a 911 call from the man's wife indicating her husband had come home early from work and interrupted a burglar breaking into their trailer at Canby Regency Mobile Home. All kinds of trailer park stuff today. So the man, Steve Axt, spelled A-X-T. Don't ax him how to spell not it. a real name. A-X-T. Uh, said he was shot by the intruder who then ran off. He was rushed to the hospital. P- police swarmed the mobile home park in search for the shooter. They didn't find anyone. By afternoon, authorities said Axt admitted to them that he made the whole thing up. That he accidentally shot himself with a 45 caliber handgun. So, uh, now apparently, this is really weird. So now he says he was shot by the burglar again. So who knows what, where this is going. It's kind of irritating because basically uh, all the neighbors in the trailer park were locked down. We couldn't go anywhere. Your car had to be searched to leave the trailer park if you were allowed to leave at all. Axe said he never admitted shooting himself and does not understand much of what happened. Okay, but let's get back to this 40-person brawl in the trailer park yet again. This is only one person in this trailer See, park. See, but you were just, you were reminding me. So, so that doesn't count. So this so this is just like a minor sort of, uh, this is a minor brouhaha at the but trailer park. Can be but 40 people, where, here's my question. Let's move on from how do you get 40 people involved into a fight. Where physically does a fight like that even take place? You know what I mean? Wouldn't there be a village green in the trailer park itself? Like I don't really know. I thought family-friendly area. When I picture a trailer park, it's just like a big, dusty, vacant lot uh, with, a, with a bunch of trailers Pretty there. Pretty much. I don't really think that there's like a, there's not like a rec like center. A, like a main roadway, probably, because a lot of them uh, look like they're just kind of perched in the middle of a field. That's my thing. So it's like, but there isn't, there isn't like a park or anything. So I guess it's, it would just be sort of the dusty path that leads you into the trailer park. Yeah, it's like some Death Valley. This is exactly the kind of thing, this is exactly why you need sort of state surveillance cameras everywhere, so that when something like this happens, we can have access to it. Uh, this email says, um, your CBS raffle presentation equals awesome. Rick, your kerfuffle with the TV giveaway sounds like a Bluth maneuver. Featuring Sarah as a sober Lucille, Tim Riley as a baffled George Michael, and yourself as Job. <laughs> you were kind of like Job. I can just show a countdown. But, but, but thank you for saving us. Jesus. And now, oh, but see, now it's all so clear. As soon as this email, this is Chris. As soon as Chris says that, I can immediately see that it's true. I'm sorry. Give me the TV back. <laughs> That's true. And I am like sitting there, glass in one hand, looking away, and Tim's just trying to hide behind we, you. We hear you already had a TV. <laughs> it sounds like you managed to turn one hundred dollars into one hundred pennies, Rick. Well done. <laughs> Oh, gosh. He says, I could also see this as a Simpsons clip uh, where I say, free TVs for none, and the sponsors boo. Then I say, free TVs for all, and the CBS management boos. Then I say, free TVs for sponsors with similar names, humiliation for me, and $1,000 for CBS. Yes, that is. I think I did make that observation out loud at some point last night uh, that... uh, they both won televisions, and I just One won shame. shame. <laughs> yeah, and CBS won embarrassment for having hired me in the first place. <sighs> All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here we are for another day of shame anyway. Yes, indeed. We'll make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, stolen and missing ATM machine has been found uh, dumped along a Portland road. The ATM machine was stolen from Linfield College. It was found in the bushes near the intersection of 107th <laughs> and Brazzing. Uh-huh. Last weekend, another ATM was stolen from Hag Lake in Washington County. <laughs> I wonder what the sign looks like going into Hag Lake. And then it's just the dumbest theft. There's just no way to open an ATM. You're, just, you're never going to get money out of there. Whatever happened to just stealing a register, huh? Those are the good old days. This email, I hadn't really thought of it. God damn, I'm dumb sometimes. This email says, 
Come on, Rick. It's called a double wide, and you thought they were put end to end. <laughs> that is true. And then, <laughs> well, you're not they're, so smart. They're, they're joined by the hair. Maybe I'm the one who needs to stop drinking. Hmm? Uh, and then he says, "Boy, you disappoint me. <laughs> Best show ever." I hadn't really thought about that. And uh, yet, yet we all stood here and didn't complain or found nothing wrong with the explanation no, at all. No, no. All right, here's Tim Riley. Mexicana Airlines says it's ending its service from Portland to Guadalajara and Mexico City September 2nd and will leave Portland entirely. We'll be that way. The company said the routes are not sufficiently profitable uh, because of the high price of airline fuel. Well, there's going to be a new airline taking off from PDX. It'll offer flights to and from Seattle. It's Seaport Airlines. They begin uh, full service June 30th. And they had a demonstration flight uh, this morning. And apparently it succeeded. They went from Portland to Seattle with no problems and then do it all the time. Round trip will be $149, but the price will double starting like a star. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it says here. Really? Uh-huh. That's great. So the round trip for now is $149 in July. Soon to be doubled. And $300 round trip from here to Seattle? That seems a little pricey, though, doesn't it? Yeah, they'll go out of business. <laughs> That's Tim is immediately giving the you are voting you are voting no on their business plan. No, it's, right. it's a very bad thing. Hey, can I tell you, you you want to hear a great idea that I had? Yes. Here I have a great idea, or I have um, maybe a vaguely amusing observation. Which would you like to hear first? Either. Sarah, vaguely amusing observation or a great idea? Vaguely amusing observation for five hundred. Okay, so um, when you're eating at uh, when you're eating at PDX, I went to Gustav's. This is not a plug. I'm just saying I went there. That's where I had breakfast. Uh, so I went there and I had, I don't know, like meat of some kind, something or other. Um, oh, by the way, speaking of, speaking of that, uh, so Matt Green, the engineer, came to the kitchen this morning as I was eating what passes for my breakfast at this point, And literally he came in as I just had like a fistful of radishes. <laughs> that was Ew, really... you're eating radishes? <laughs> well, I like radishes, to be honest. Uh, but like I mean that was by themselves. But I mean that was yeah. I mean that, that was a good a good chunk of my breakfast today was just a big handful of radishes. And he came in and he looked at me and he just sort of shook his head sadly and walked off. There was just no more that needed to be said. Um, anyway, so uh, on this last weekend when I went to San Diego on my last weekend of eating freely before everything I like was taken away from me. Um, oh, you're gonna buckle on free pizza day. Now, see, but why do you gotta put negative because affirmations in my head? I'm gonna eat the pizza. You have to eat the pizza with me. And it's everything in moderation. You don't need to starve yourself, but you don't need to deny yourself everything. That is true. Well, you know what I did? Uh, and I'll get back to this observation in a second. You know what I did yesterday? Because I'm trying to keep it to like, you know, about 2,000 calories or so, you know, a day. And I actually failed to eat. Uh, part of my lunch yesterday, and I was really excited because that meant I had like 1,100 calories left, which meant that I could finish off my big can of How spray cheese at home. How many calories are you on? Like 2,000 a day or so. Oh, you know, and that's normal. Yeah, and so I was all excited though because I hadn't, I'd fail, I'd failed it because because my wife is on this whole thing. Well, don't you want to be healthy? And it's like I don't, I don't care if I'm healthy or not, as I think the evidence would indicate. I just want to be thinner. I could be a sickly. I, it doesn't matter. You're I, thin. You know, but I'm flabby though. That's the thing. Not that flabby. No. You know. Well, look. There are people who. I suppose there are people who are fatter, but that's cold comfort. It's a radio station. Of course, there are people who are fatter. You go about thirty <laughs> miles outside of town, and you will see flab. I look. I, I'm the not. The flab belt stretches from the California border <laughs> all the way to Vancouver, British Columbia. Does the flab belt have one of those extenders on it that yes, you buy in Parade magazine? <laughs> and where's red spandex? <laughs> And a scrunchie. Um, 
What was I even saying? Oh, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't want everybody to think that in addition to my innumerable mental illnesses that I'm also like anorexic or have some weird, I just, you know, I'm just flabby, as we've said a thousand times, I'm just a thin fat person. Well, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's the food so much as it is just yeah, you need to exercise. No, like, it, it isn't that up. bad. Yeah. I saw some woman get on the trolley yesterday, and she had a shopping bag in both hands. She, <laughs> so, take one of these, please. <laughs> so she, she could not take one step up into this trolley that goes around here. With two plastic shopping bags, so someone had to take one, and finally she sits down, and all the way, going down 10th Street, I guess, all you hear is, the, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you saved my life. I mean, this woman was, she couldn't even hold two shopping bags. And you know, one of those shopping bags is entirely filled with Apple Jacks. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, and you know, I, I just, I just, I eat sort of, uh, I eat sort of badly, uh, because I'll just go for long periods of time and not eat at all. And then, of course, when I do eat, I just binge, and it's like I'm the worst possible crap. So at least for a little while, I'm just trying to sort of get a handle on it. Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I think, oh. I think most of it happens when Lara is away, and nobody can see what you're actually That's, doing. You know, it's funny, actually, that you say that, Tim, because you know what I, I had written? You know what I had written down for uh, my high-concept topic today? Uh, I don't know if we'll get to this. We may have to do it later in the week. I had written down for the high-concept topic... When no one is around, mm -hmm. I eat blank. Right, you live two lives. That's exactly no. It's and, and you know, and I try to sort of, well, you know, and she tries to eat healthily. And part of it is that I just don't want to be like, I don't want to be the bad influence. So you know, I'll, I'll wait until she's in bed, and then I will just uh, dump this entire can of spray cheese into my mouth, and I will shove a bagel in after it. I mean, that's really it. She doesn't right? know that I hit some lace potato chips <laughs> under the bed. I don't have to go that far. <laughs> I did. Have you ever hidden? Have you ever hidden food and been found out? No. Sarah? No, I've never really had to hide food. No, and you kind of, you know, and you... I, all my stuff is out there. My big boxes of Easy Mac are, like, right in in my in the front of my glass-paned, you know, shelves in my kitchen. I will say... I have say, no shame. I, uh, I have a lot of shame. What did I... I had... I actually found myself at one point... What, a, what is it that, I, that I'd shoved into the back of the cupboard or something? It was... I mean, it was something relatively innocuous. I mean, it was like a, it was like a five-pack of Kraft macaroni or something. I mean... It, you know, it wasn't like I was hiding bags of crack. Uh, but I I had sort of shoved it into the back of the cupboard. And, of course, what always happens? She was like, okay, well, I'm going to go down and get myself some whole tomatoes so I can make a healthy sauce. Honey? And then I hear the sh 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 shaking from the kitchen. She goes, what's this macaroni doing shoved into the back? And then, you know, and it's not the fact that you've got the five boxes of macaroni. It's the fact that you clearly were hiding it. <laughs> Which really does make me look like I have an eating disorder. I mean, that really does, it makes it seem as though I have some sort of an unhealthy relationship with food. This all started because well, I was... you know, if the biggest problem is that you're hiding macaroni and cheese, I think you have a pretty good marriage <laughs> as opposed to some others. I suppose. I mean, I could be secreting bags of China White in the floorboards. But um, anyway, but this all started, anyway, so I was at Gustav's and I was having, you know, and I knew I was going to kind of start eating better yesterday, at least for a while, and uh, we'll see how long it lasts. But, but so I was having like the big, like, big fat-ass breakfast. I was having, like, you know, bring me nine eggs, and I need a side of beef, some ham, sausage links, also 75 pieces of toast with Knott's Berry Farm strawberry. And But the woman, she she came by, and she had the greatest little, like, this sounds like such an anticlimax now, because it's taken, like, 12 minutes to get to this observation. She had the greatest little, like, flow to a menu option that she gave me. Do you ever go to a restaurant, and it's like, it's usually when you ask about pie, and you'll say... Hey, so well, what kind of pie do you have? And then they can do it from memory. And that's always kind of impressive. And I know that waitresses themselves probably don't view it as impressive because they just learn it by rote. But it's sort of like when somebody can draw, and a person who can draw is never impressed by it. But if you can't draw, it's like the most staggering thing in the world. 
Like Sarah can draw. I cannot. Uh, and so it's just, I'll see somebody who can draw. I'm like, that is fantastic. This is amazing. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I just do it. So the waitress will list off 75 different pie options, and you always think it's fantastic, and you'll say it like an idiot. That's really impressive how you can do that. And she goes, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. So the woman just had the greatest flow when she was listing off bread options for me at Gustav's. I, it was actually so great that I wrote it down. I would say, what kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. And I heard her do it about seven different times to tables around me. Wait, can you say it again? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. Isn't that great? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a jingle. And I don't know if, if Gustav's uses that in their advertising or if that's the part of it, like if they have like a billboard or something with that. But that ought to be, that could be the new creditreport.com baby thing. That could be the new jingle that gets stuck in your head. So Gustav's, if you're listening right now. First of all, you ought to be advertising. You like to all beef patties. Give me, that, uh, that's exactly what I thought of. And it would be a whole bit uh, where the guys, what do you have? White, beef, uh, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Just over and over again. So that's my observation. Here's my great idea. Then more news. I had this while I was having the same breakfast. I wrote this down. You know what there ought to be? Here's the next great reality contest show. Mm-hmm. It's a program all about looking for the world's best share impersonator. And I was thinking you could either have women... Or you could have men in cross-dressing or maybe a combination of both, where it's some women, some guys in drag. They're all impersonating Cher. Cher, of course, in like one of the, like maybe the penultimate or ultimate episode, Cher, of course, shows up to judge uh, the men and women who are impersonating her. It's also, you can call the program Cher and Cher Alike. Hmm. I like make any sense. Cher and Cher Alike. Because two shares, one is real and one one is like share. I understand it. Hello. <laughs> no, see, and I, I think that would do well in front of a focus group. You know what? And in each, it's exactly the sort of thing America would watch. Mm-hmm. Put that on Bravo; it's a huge hit. And then, well, remember, she's not doing like a show with her lesbian daughter. I mean, she's not. She definitely do a reality. She's open show. to it. share and share alike. And then here's the thing: is each week they would have to impersonate a different era of share. Sunny and share era. Uh, gypsies, tramps, and thieves. Share. Like That's what I'm saying. If I could turn back time, share. Vegasy, share. Do you believe in love? Share. Uh, acting, share. I'm telling you right now. Share and share alike. Hmm. <laughs> you don't get a television. Share and share alike. <laughs> you take that television right out of my hands. Yes. Give it to somebody else. Give me that back. That really ought to be an arrested development. We, it's, that is actually so cringe-inducing what I did last night. We ought to get, we ought to recruit Joni to, to, we should recreate that whole giveaway yesterday as though it were an arrested development episode and then put it on YouTube. I, I just wrote home last night in shock. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> then halfway to work this morning, it started to be kind of funny and I started checking myself. Here's the best part is after uh, I just so spectacularly ate it yesterday while I was trying to give it this television away. I, I, I don't think it was your fault. Well, no, you rescued the situation. Thank you, Tim. It's nice of you to say. Um, because I had no idea what to say. The woman just walked to How was I to know? She walked toward me saying, I'm the winner. And I just looked at her name tag and read the name aloud. Her and, name was Denise. And then I looked over to my horror, and there was another Denise with a very similar last name. Arms extended. That's my television. <laughs> Should have made him rustle for it. Um, but then I remember telling Tim afterward, this is the moment I remember from last night, one of many moments. After we, after CBS had finally said, we'll buy them each a television. Thanks, Rick. Um, I remember turning to Tim and saying, 
see it all worked out well. And Tim actually said, I don't think it did. <laughs> wow. I'm just trying to be helpful. <laughs> you were thank you for trying to trying to prop up my uh, fragile self image. Did yesterday. I really say that? Yes, I did. I said I, I changed my mind on the way home. Thanks so I th- much. I thought it was helpful. Yeah, when I because I said that line, I go, well, it all turned out okay, and you just, just said, I don't think it did. <laughs> well, the good news is, <laughs> what is the good news, Tim? There are no emails being sent pertaining to that last night. So I suppose we couldn't have done the worst thing that happened there. No, no, and you know the great thing was is that we were bracketed almost by two other sets of DJs who also screwed up. So, Court and Fatboy spectacularly. So, there it doesn't cost and the company way anymore. Than us. Yeah, no, it's true. All right, what did the, what did the presentation call the presentation called them the um, the strangely interesting uh, Court and Fatboy show? All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about this grisly murder trial. That is about to get underway. So this is obviously the thing they were trying to get me in the jury for. You might have liked it. Uh, this is uh, the trial of accused double murderer Frank Hudson. And the tales of this trial will include many gruesome details. The stuff of horror movies. And we'll tell you what they are in just Oh, Rick, this would have been your perfect trial. They did say a huge... I didn't think they didn't say... I don't think they put it that way in the jury. Tell me something it's badass. Um, but they did say an eight-week trial. This is probably it. And it was supposed to have started today. That's the thing, is that everything was supposed to have gotten underway today. So in the opening statement, Deputy DA Patrick Callahan told jurors that Francis Weber, Francis, who's a 72-year-old widower, widower, had rented a room at his Portland house to a fellow named Hudson, but was getting ready to toss him out November 2006 because he was always late for the rent. So I couldn't blame him for that part, but it shouldn't be so extreme here. Uh, Weber's torso would soon be found off Highway 26 in Washington County. Next to him lay the bullet-ridden body of his other renter, not just one renter, but the other one, too, 64-year-old David Copeland. Wait, so this is the landlord accused of killing his tenants? Mm-hmm, two. Okay. Not just one, two. Uh, Callahan told jurors the evidence overwhelmingly points toward Hudson and will destroy any presumption of innocence. Uh, Hudson, 64, is charged with murder, aggravated murder, and corpse abuse. If convicted, he could face abuse. the death penalty. A Hillsborough man driving in the coastal range found the remains of Weber and Copeland. Weber. Investigators said Weber was shot three times and his body... Okay, here comes that part. So hide your ears for five seconds if you don't want to hear this part. Starting now. Sarah is not hiding her ears. Okay. Investigators said Weber was shot three times and his body was skinned and dismembered. Wow. Six times. Okay, you can start listening again. Now... But that didn't even make any sense. I mean, what? Uh, so skin. Ooh, what? Where was the body found? Washington County. But I mean, like highway twenty buried, just tossed by the side of the road. I guess so. Driving in the range, uh, driving in the coastal range, found the body. So apparently off the road. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. I mean, why? Well, he's an amateur at this. But I mean, the skinning doesn't seem to fit the rest of it. Like I'm a profiler. <laughs> like I'm John Douglas. Let me just tell you a thing or two about skinning. Because if you've already shot him. Then why, I mean, would you, why would you go to all the trouble of, like, skinning? The skinning is like serial killer behavior. Yeah. I mean, that's like trophy collecting behavior, I would think. That's well, a I, Buffalo Bill kind of a thing. See, there's more stuff Do they here. have the skin? Hmm, I don't know. And that's what I was going to say. Did they find the skin, or was the skin... This is so gross, but no, I, I, mean, I should... Let's see. Well, let me finish the rest of the details. Okay. Then you can sort it all out yourself. All right. Uh, Copeland carried some identification, which led police to the Portland house where the three men lived. Hudson came out of the place wearing bloody pants... And told police he knew nothing about his roommate's disappearance. <laughs> so he's wearing bloody pants and knows nothing about the two room, the uh, murder roommate. Fantastic. Uh, prosecutors showed the jury photos of a two-inch gash in Hudson's arm, taken at the time of his arrest. Paper cut. Hudson's blood was found throughout the house, along with the blood of his two housemates. 
Blood from all three men was found in a Weber's minivan, which contained Weber's limbs and much of his skin. Wow. Wow. Let me repeat that sentence one more time just for the kids. Blood from all three men was found in Weber's minivan, which included Weber's limbs and much of his skin. Much, you, much of his so skin. Just skin much the one? of his skin. Not all of it. No, just, of it. One, just one person was skin. Oh. And well, he, but well, he's he just, a guy pleading guilty or innocent? I would imagine. He said uh, there are missing links in the prosecutor's case, including a lack of a murder weapon and the inability to find where the killer dismembered the bodies. Prosecutors ruled the house as the site. Oh, they ruled out the house as the site because it wasn't enough blood. This trial is... Uh, no, there's not, not enough blood. No, there wasn't enough blood. All right. Are you going to kill people? There should be a lot of blood there. Now I'm going to turn it to Charles Grodin. Uh, there's blood on the Bronco. There's blood on the glove. I just don't understand how you... So those are the facts. Wow. Well. That's... That's I didn't really anticipate many of the twists and turns that story just took. Is it a good one? You should have been in this trial. Yeah, but you know, I, I, see, everybody's going to say, well, you should have taken it. But I mean, first of all, I had no idea there was dismembering and skinning. Every uh, so often we get a few. You know, but but you know, is it your opinion though that they wouldn't have? I mean, they wouldn't have let me on the jury anyway. They never, they never. Even if I tried to get on the jury, he's going to make zany wisecracks and turn this into a kangaroo court. And just because I'm going to put the whole system on trial, Tim Riley. Uh, but I mean, even if I had tried really hard to get on the jury, just I don't you think that by dint of working in the media, they would have just kicked me out. Yes. I mean, it's just you can't. I don't think. And so that's. So I guess maybe I shouldn't have even gone. I mean, to the your fellow jurors, huh, why don't you do a penis watch? <laughs> See that interrupting? <laughs> and everybody's singing the, the penis song on the jury instead of paying attention to what's going on. I wasn't really picturing that at all, but that is an amusing image. I'm just. I don't think that if you work in the media, I don't think that they'll typically. I don't think they'll typically put you on a jury. No, I've gotten out of jury duty on numerous occasions. Just by saying you work in the media? Uh-huh. I have. You know what I have my most cherished possession is now is the the uh, the letter that uh, you know that, that, that our GM signed. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know Rick Emerson has to get out of jury duty, uh, and of course, and I and I made sure that it was undated, undated. So I can use it for the rest of my life. Just be like it'd be like a laminated note from your doctor getting you out of gym class. You know, I don't know. I've got asthma. So yeah, and I, I still got the card actually that says you have been excused, and we hope to see you on a jury in the future, though. No, so, I just, just walk into the work, just wave the left of GM. He knew what it was. Give me totally. that. Yeah, that. and apparently there's like a whole. I guess it's just such a widely known practice. They just they, they like have a whole. You know, there's like a whole form that they just keep on file for people. You know, DJs who don't want to go on jury duty. Uh, let's see here. We've got somebody who says I sicken him. Uh, well, your reaction says we should go with that one. Hello, sir. How do I sicken you? You can look at food and gain weight. I'm 39, six foot, a buck sixty. Never been over a buck sixty. I eat everything on the buffet table, and I can't gain weight. Could be genetic. I'm big boned. <laughs> big boned. Wait. So, in what in what way do I sicken you, sir? You can you can gain weight just by looking at food. Yes, we're back at the beginning of the call again. But I'm asking, yes. what do you mean? I haven't been able to get I haven't been able to get over a buck sixty by eating everything under the earth. But I can look at food and gain weight, is what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Thank you and for I've calling. I've been trying to I've been trying to gain weight for a long time. But you can't do it. You're still at a buck sixty. Meanwhile, yeah. me gain weight looking at food. Yeah. You everything at the pay table buck sixty can't get over it. Can't get over it. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I call was disappointing. It was. It says on the screen, you sicken him. Be, yeah, I thought he was going to be angry. I thought he was going to be annoyed at me for something. It's always... It was kind of that, some vanilla thing that's kind of like background noise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> that, that call was um, call was like any number of Mariah Carey songs. It was just sort of there. Higher on the Rick Emerson Show. The person that was missing their skin, were they a great big fat person? About a size 14. <laughs> hey, uh, 
Don't feel bad about your giveaway. Only skin. Yes, why not? Why not, sir? Well, because I was involved with one. Uh, we were giving away the grand prize, and everybody, everybody that had anything to do with this was was drunk. Uh, the guy that drew the name handed it to my boss. I wrote the name down, and my boss forgot who who won. I lost the piece of paper with the name on it, <laughs> and nobody had it. You know, and the guy wasn't there to win this thing, right? So, so we're like, all right, no problem. We'll just we'll just do it again. We'll just give away another one, right? We'll we'll do three, or we'll do two. So the guy that draws the name is actually one of our really good customers. He wins the grand prize. Oh, that, so now there's that so now there's shady. Well, yeah, exactly. So now there's the whole. Oh, sure. So this guy pulled his own name out of the hat. So we wound up giving away three grand prizes uh, on that. What, what would you say was the approximate value of the prize? Oh, uh, I think like seventeen hundred bucks a piece. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was so seventeen hundred became fifty one hundred, like in the blink of an eye. Exactly. I will say this: the first name that was drawn. And we actually really only gave away two. The first name that was drawn, we could never figure out who it was, so <laughs> we never great, gave though. it. Like, I love the idea that you write down the name, you give it to the boss who loses it, and of course no one has kept the, like, the ticket or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, uh, yeah. some guy. Well, we were all pretty loaded at the uh, time. So excellent. anyway, all thank right, you, thank sir. you. Bye now. Let me, real quickly. I think you would feel better about yesterday. Oh, man. Well, I think everything goes on. If you work in radio, I think you assemble these stories, though, of giveaways gone wrong. CBS Radio Portland. Hi. uh, This is uh, Rick. Is Susan Reynolds around? Uh, One moment. Thank you. Here you go. I need a little mind in a music job. What was that? Uh, It was Cher. (laughs) Hello, it's Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Rick. Hello, Rick. Hey, how are you? I'm well. Hey, um, here's a question. Okay. Uh, remember, uh, you emailed me this morning, and you were referencing a contest that had perhaps gone poorly in the past. Yes. Is that a thing we can discuss? Well, why not? If not, I, uh, I totally understand. No, there are no names going to be uh, announced or anything. I, I only really know the broadest of strokes. We were just talking about uh, my... I was giving away TVs by the score yesterday. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and so a guy called up, and now now we're just discussing like giveaways gone wrong. Yeah, I heard him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you like to uh, sort of describe what happened um, to a station that we all know and love? Uh, yes, sure. A station we all know and love, and, and I'm happy to say this happened right before I got here. So I was not involved. I've only um, been told about this, but apparently the station was giving away a car, you know, which is a sizable prize and something that. Lots of people would enter to win. Yes. And um, so the uh, the person who was the promotion director at the time uh, drew the winning. At the time. At the time. <laughs> Until the next morning. <laughs> drew the winning name and called uh, the person. And the person wasn't home. <laughs> this is where it gets a little fuzzy. Not sure if she left a message on their answering machine or if they just had caller ID. But anyway, the person wasn't home, so she drew another name. And called them and said, hey, guess what? You've won a car. Congratulations. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. So the winner's all excited. But winner number one, who wasn't home, called back and said, hey, why were you calling me? Oh, well, I was calling you to tell you that you won a car, but you weren't there, so we gave it to somebody else. <laughs> so now we had to give away two cars. Uh, so that is one car magically becomes two. Yeah. 
And then, you know, when, when the general manager has to, like, call the head of the company and say, um... By the way, we gave away a car by accident. <laughs> I've got some good news and some bad news. <laughs> you know, the bad news is always way worse. Than I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine yeah. being, like, the promo director or whoever. Yeah, that had to go I in. I mean, and, there's a whole yeah. chain of bad, right? Like, there's the DJ that goes, hey, uh... So remember, remember that one car we were supposed to give away? <laughs> How would you feel about instead of giving away one car, I gave away, oh, two. Two. Yeah. And, and then the promo director has to tell the GM, and then the GM it has to go up the chain every time the story happened to be, we gave away a whole other car by mistake. Yeah, it's just all kinds of bad. Oh, all right. So, you know, those things happen. So really, as I was saying to you this morning, no worries on the TV. I mean, that was a small <laughs> thing compared to some of the stuff that's gone on. The grand scheme of things. It is always nice to have those stories in the past so you have something against which you can measure yourself. Yes. And, and by the way, the court and fat boy thing. Yeah. Well, you sort of had that all mixed up. Nah, it doesn't matter. It was still funny. But it was funny, and 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 but everything got corrected, and in the end, everyone had a super time. Is it that the band was called Griffin House though, and they thought it was a person in Griffin House? Well, the thing was, they were supposed to give away a prize, and they went ahead and skipped to the next thing without. <laughs> so they so, they, I, so I gave away too much, and they gave away nothing. <laughs> yeah, and then they took away someone else's role, who was supposed to introduce Griffin House. That's so, fantastic. You see, it was just it was just a series of events, and it's starts to go south, you can't get it back. You know what's amazing is all of us uh, who were screwing things up left and right last night, we're all paid to talk behind microphones and to do it accurately. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting. The professional announcers Jesus. were, you yeah. know. But that's okay. You know what? As I said to you, it added that bit of reality. You know, it made you look human, and, and there's just not enough of that. We're all too human. All too human. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Susan. Okay. Bye. All right. There you go. Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland. We should break. But it's a good thing we hardly ever give away anything valuable on the show anymore. That's that is true. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, today, one today one random caller won a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 T-shirt in support of Backlash 2008, the fallout from WrestleMania 24. Oh, how many do we have to give away? Uh, we doing theoretically or in actuality? Back after this, kids, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Rick, your webpage, I'm assuming this is rickemerson.com, has been officially banned by my IT department for containing gruesome content. Uh, and then he encloses the uh, little note from IT. Your request to uh, access URL rickemerson.com has been blocked by the WebWasher URL filter database. The URL is listed under categories, gruesome content, which are not allowed by your administrator at this time. Wasn't mine... My website was like, remember when we did ratings and yours was like PG-13 and mine's like NC-17? I don't remember that. Yeah. So, I if, 
How about if they went to my website first and then hit the link to your website from my website? I don't think that works. I think because it would still register that they were going to my whatever, my IP address or whatever it is. I think you would have to use like a proxy uh, server or something. So in any event. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Still to come, more of your phone calls. Uh, Are we talking to Rachel McGrath later? I don't think so. I believe we are. Wait, is she the one at 115? Yeah. Did she lose her phone? Yeah, one fifteen. Yeah, she, yeah, she lost it, but she found it. Okay, so we will be talking to Rachel McGrath at one fifteen uh, later on. Uh, top five. It'll be the uh, top five album opening tracks. This is Tim Riley. I guess this would qualify as a Darwin watch. Oh, is this the uh, with the crushing? Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I <laughs> like a maniacal gleam in your eye. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I just printed that. I meant to label it, but I'm glad you immediately spotted that as a. Oh, I thought I printed two. Uh, no, no, no. I printed. We both, we both must you have seen it at the, the same time. We must have seen the story and printed it at the same time. <laughs> He's in a pot. The bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I ate all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. your Darwin watch for Tuesday. This comes to us in the fine community of Blaine, Washington. An 18-year-old taking a joyride in a steamroller <laughs> was killed early this morning when the equipment he was driving overturned. Uh, the team was identified this morning as uh, Justin Wider of the Birch Bay area. Is His... Justin Wider now a little thinner? Actually, he's, well, he's probably spread out just a little bit more like a pancake. His name was withheld until they could... Uh, Contact his family. At 12.30 this morning, a 911 caller reported that a man was trapped under a piece of heavy equipment at a construction site. Deputies determined Wider and two 17-year-old boys had entered a construction site, started up some of the equipment, and went joyriding on it. Well, Wider was driving a steamroller up a dirt pile when it overturns. Steamroller? I barely knew her. Pinning him underneath and killing him instantly. The case has been given to the prosecutor's office. For what reason, we don't know. <laughs> what prosecute? is unclear here? They're going to prosecuting a jar of paste. <laughs> the, the steamroller will be charged with murder. Uh, they'll determine whether the two 17-year-olds will be charged with trespassing and unauthorized use of heavy equipment. Uh, why would you... I mean, look... I understand the guy desire. Guys have a whole thing for like heavy construction equipment. I, I understand that to be true. And, I, and occasionally... And here's a weird thing is that in 2008... You go to a construction. I would guarantee you right now. You go to a construction site. The odds are about fifty-fifty. They've just left the keys to the vehicles somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. I mean, maybe they figured that like people can be trusted, <laughs> or that it'll just sort of work itself out, like in this case. Uh, but they'll just leave the keys in the ignitions. Aren't interested in steamrollers. I think my whole thing is like, at what point would you decide that that steamroller, which is you know used to crush things, that what you ought to do is just drive it right up a steep dirt hill. You know, sort of try like. Trying to replicate like your own perfect storm ending there. So well, now uh, Justin's just a big shag carpet. Apparently, says the news department of CBS Radio rather heartlessly, I might add. There's your Darwin watch. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. Don't, don't, don't. Wow. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey. That's fantastic. By the way, since we're talking about bad uh, radio giveaways and giveaways gone wrong, let me just... Oh, real quickly, before we... 
We finished his coffee. Oh, you know, I almost forgot to tell everyone that uh, the new, I almost forgot to tell everyone that the news hour is sponsored by our friends at Leif's Auto Collision Centers and Leif's.com. Call today and find out what Leif's can do for you. You know, I wish I had. Uh, do you have the old one, Sarah? You do, don't you? I yeah. think you said that you. Uh, do you? Is it like an MP3 or a wave or it's like a, a YouTube? It's a YouTube. Would you send that to me at some point? Right. I'll uh, I'll put it back in the system at some point. Let me just finish my coffee. Fantastic. All right, so speaking of radio giveaways, so I know that every station has a story like this, but this is this is the first giveaway I was ever part of that went really spectacularly bad. When I was working for OK95 in Kennewick, I, was, I must have been 16, 17, something like that, and we were doing, it's always a car with these giveaways, too. It's always, like, disaster, I mean, yesterday notwithstanding, disaster never happens when you're just giving away, like, a $5 book of McDonald's gift certificates. It's, it does seem like there's some sort of universal law, some sort of algorithm, that the more expensive or, or elaborate the prize, the more likely it is that something's going to go really wrong. So, when I was working there, uh, the big station promotion was they were giving away a car. And they were doing a thing that, I mean, and you can see the ending of this coming a mile away, where, although I think that somebody else in the building has a different variation of the same story, because this, this story does seem to happen to every radio station, but I was there, I witnessed this. So the deal was, we were in the local shopping mall, we were in the middle of the mall, and we were giving away, I don't know, like, what, like whatever passed for an exciting car at that point, it was like a, like a brand new red probe or something, and it was parked inside the mall, and they had a huge uh, fishbowl full of keys. And the fishbowl just had all of these loose keys, one of which, and it was like 500 of them, one of which started, you know, opened the car, and then one of them started it. So I guess maybe the car was unlocked. But the deal was, you know, everybody would get in line, everybody would come up, they would take one key out of the fishbowl, and you would get into the car, and, you know, and you would put the key in the ignition, and then you'd turn it, and if it started the car, you win the car. And I remember being at the station the night before this contest, and this guy named Greg, who was the music director and who was also kind of running this, you know, he'd been tasked with putting all this together. He had put together just this endless list of just a whole collection of sound effects to play when people get in the car and nothing works. You know what I mean? So, like, if you get in, you turn the key, nothing works. You know, or like, or a, you know, all of these sound effects for when nothing works. He was up until like 3.30 in the morning, just hating his life in a production room, putting all these together. And then, you know, and then, of course, there's a big balloon drop and everything for the person. 500, they've sold clients in to be there. They're going to have what they call, um, you know, they're going to be doing sampling, which means they've sold in, like, Coca-Cola or somebody to be there to hand out sodas to people as they're waiting in line. Line 500 people long, the local, local news crews are there. And then, of course, the very first, but the first person, the very first person in line, re, the odds are literally one in 500. The first person in line reaches in, here's a key, let me get in the car. <laughs> car starts right up, siren goes off, the balloons fall, and I look over, and this Greg guy has just got his head in his hands. Because he went up till 3.30, everybody, gone. Immediately, every single person deserts. I mean, it was just the worst possible outcome, except for, and I can't remember who in the building told me the story. There was somebody who works here who told me that they had been at a similar giveaway 
But it was exactly the opposite. They had been in a giveaway where if your car or if your the key you drew started the car, you won the car, except that none of the keys worked. That was the deal. And I forget who it was. There's was somebody who works here. They had been at a promotion where there was a car to car lot. Everybody got in line. They drew keys out of a bag. And if your key turned on the car, you won it. And they went through all, like, 350 keys, and not a single one of them started the car. And it turns out that, like, it turns out you had to shove the key in and then, like, jiggle it a little bit. And so they had to line up all 350 people and do it all over again. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, sir. Tim, Jesse from Red Hot Pistol. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you guys doing? What's up? Hi. Hey, so uh, I was just looking around on YouTube, and I found a clip of you guest starring on Arrested Development. Have you seen that? No, I haven't, sir. No, it's not a joke or punchline. Just, just Google or uh, YouTube Rick Emerson Arrested Development. Is it clean? First, what was that? Is, Is this clean, clean, sir? Yeah, it's clean. It's audio from the show, and then from you know your show mm -hmm. uh, over their show, and it's clean. It's really, really funny. All right, thank you, my friend. Check it out. All right, thanks. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Okay, thanks so much. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, so to California we go now for uh, this story. Uh, after taking their battle all the way to the California Supreme Court, Diane Olson and Robin Taylor became L.A. County's first same-sex married couple, and uh, apparently they got married uh, this morning. And I ask a moment of presence, a blessing upon your marriage and upon your home. Uh, gay couples are lining up to say I do all over California today, apparently. Let's see, there are 102,000 uh, same-sex couples in California, 51,000 expected to get married within the next three years. Well, I saw the, um, so I think this, I think that first marriage actually happened, it must have happened last night, though, because yeah. I was reading that story last night. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it was actually at 501 yesterday afternoon, if they could find, like, a clerk's office. But you know what, there are actually several county clerks that stayed, there are offices that stayed open late, mm -hmm. uh, just so they could do it. And then, of course, so there's that, so now the gay marriage in California, and then New York has announced that they will recognize those, like, if you, gay marriage in another state that it'll be recognized in New York. So I know that there's going to be, I don't know, the idiots are going to go to the ballot box uh, in California and they're going to try to, to uh, try to get the state to block it, but it's just, it, uh, which may have some sort of temporary effect, but I think clearly the tide has turned. Clearly this is as... Yeah. Uh, Especially as, California, the biggest state. I mean, that's it. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, California and New York, they're the two most populous states in the country, uh, one of them granting gay marriage and the other one recognizing gay marriage. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's like the precedent has been set. It may take a little longer to come to, you know, Kentucky uh, or something. If at all. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, but it is, it is now it is now an inevitability. So everybody can just uh, suck on that. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, all over the state uh, from Sacramento, Tim Kai said he's happy to marry his uh, partner, Larry, so he can introduce him in the proper manner. To be able to tell people and introduce uh, Larry as my husband, it makes total sense to people. People know exactly what I mean when I say even in conservative Orange County, Rich and Jim uh, just didn't want to get married. They wanted to be the first gay couple to see I do in Orange County. Jim is now my legal spouse, and I'm his legal spouse. So it uh, worked out just fine, and that's what we wanted after 33 years of being together. Come on, Jim. Let me also say this. Two things. A, don't you desperately wish for a couple named Adam and Steve to get married? They did. Remember, I showed you that article in the New York Times. When was... Oh, that's right. There was a whole marriage announcement about it, too. Uh -huh. I forgot all about that. Well, it, it's not a common in the uh, Sunday Times, in the society pages, to show pictures of gay couples because, getting married. Yeah, because it's like as long as you got the cash to shell out for that. Because that's like... Because they, they charge, like, just out the ass for that. I would oh, imagine, yeah. Right? I mean, all the marriages, you know, they're... they're I mean... They're children of the rich and famous. totally. That's where uh, Daddy's little girl is finally getting married to somebody or whatever. And it's, but I do have to say this: if you go to uh, RickEmerson.com, 
Uh, well, first, if you, the first blog entry is for this trailer for the Hurl show on G4. We'll play that here in a bit. But below that, I have a link to this MyWay.com, this AP News uh, MyWay story, uh, which is all about the gay marriage things. It is pretty great, by the way, because there's a series of photographs of the gay couples who were lined up to get married, uh, and this one is this particular group of photos from San Francisco. So the first photo you see is of uh, Robin Tyler and Diane Olson, who were the, I think they were the very first couple to get married. Right below that, though, there's two dudes getting married in matching leather cowboy vests and hats. It's, All right. It's fantastic. They've got, I mean, it really is just, it's, it's, it's just wonderful. It's like dudes, and they are in matching, like, like when you go to, like, a, like when you go to Knott's Berry Farm or something, and there's like the old, like the, like the old, like Western town thing where you buy a sarsaparilla, and the guy comes up behind the counter and goes, "Well, howdy, partners! Welcome to Knott's Berry Farm. Would you like a root beer?" It's and he's got the like the string tie and the whatever. It's two guys dressed up exactly like that. It's fantastic, and it's supposed to bring at least uh, six hundred million dollars into the California economy. So That's, you know, and California is really KCMD Portland. California is really smart, by the way, doing this early because I would imagine with every successive state that grants gay marriage, the economic influx is going to be smaller because it's going to be diminished. Because right now, the whole deal is everybody goes to California, and especially, I mean, if you're in New York, especially the deal is you go to California, you go back to New York, and it's legal. So, yeah. anyway, so good for California. So, uh, Mr. Sulu, who uh, was in West Hollywood today, and he became one of the first in line to get a same-sex marriage license. <laughs> he said he plans to have his uh, actual wedding in September with some of his Star Trek co-stars in attendance. Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov, is the best man. Michelle Nichols, who played Uhura, is the matron of honor. And uh, another one of my uh, Star Trek friends, Leonard Nimoy, is going to be one of the guests. Why, who's not missing looking... from that list? <laughs> <laughs> I that guess... stings. Mm. I mean, I, I knew that, uh, what's his name, James Doohan hated William Shatner, but I, I thought that, uh, I thought that, uh, that it, Sulu and that Kurt got along well. Maybe that's, that's only nice. in the movies, Tim. Mm-hmm. I met right, Mr. Then. Sulu once. He's a cool guy. Really? Yeah. I, who, I, I'm trying to, I, uh, I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was, it was, was it George Takai? Yes. I don't, I don't think James Duan, George Takai. I don't think it was that. I, who, oh, it was Nichelle Nichols, but I didn't meet her. It was on the phone uh, because her brother uh, offed himself as part of the Heaven's Gate cult. Oh. Uh, yeah, and so right after the Heaven's Gate thing happened, Nichelle Nichols was doing radio interviews. So I was like, I talked to her real briefly on the phone, and she was just talking about you know, whatever her, her nutcase brother or whatever. All right. Don't call me Sulu. Here's Tim Riley. So um, one last thing on this topic, and this comes from Oregon. Social conservatives and church groups have admitted defeat in their efforts in your face to get rid of Oregon's gay rights laws. So they know they can't do it. Give up. Go home. You lost. You lost. Forget about it. (laughs) Aren't churches supposed to be helping poor people and praying for other people? Leave other people alone. So you lost. Uh, Some of the other things. Let's talk about uh, heterosexuals, shall we? Uh, This is about, oh, do we have the right thing? Yes, we do. This self-help author... I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> this is about single women. Uh, Greg Bahan and Liz DeCoro have turned the dating game on its ear with the release of their 2004 bestseller, bearing that title. Now, four years later, DeCoro is striking out on her own, speaking to single women everywhere in her first fictional novel, How to Be Single. This is for single gals. Uh, the subject of unmarried women continues to be a hot topic. With uh, lots of interest. I find it very fascinating because it, it is sort of a kind of a representation on a on a sort of the American. I think we've identified why she's single. Single women are, I think, to me. 
I didn't hear anything. With somebody like that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. It just makes me sad. Just the first blast of noise, I didn't hear anything beyond that. Well, let's try a couple more with a pot. Can we? Can Uh, we listen to her talk all day? Liz says the characters in her book represent different ways people are choosing to be single. We have Alice, who's a complete, um, you know, go-getter and decide, you know, is always proactive about her dating life. And then you have the protagonist, Julie, who's a little bit more cynical. These are your people, Sarah. Then we have Serena, who's this character, just sort of represents the women I've seen who just start, in, you know, who are single that inundate themselves with sort of like self-improvement things. Ouch. Wow, she's deep. <laughs> she's not going to get booked on anything. Who's the sassy one? Uh, listen, oh, there's only one more left. Sad. There's only one more. Uh, there's a common thread among single women she interviewed while conducting research for the novel How to Be Single. The main thing that I heard that uh, was interesting and probably wasn't maybe the thing you would have heard 20 years ago, but now what I did hear in every country I went to was the women saying, I'd rather be alone than be in an unfulfilling relationship. These I'd are really groundbreaking observations. Like I, I settled for somebody I wasn't in love with. Wow. I'm sorry I chose that. No, I feel like she's speaking right to all of us. What's her her name, Tim? We must find what she looks like right now. Liz, I'll spell her last name, T-U-C-C-I-L-L-O. Tuchilo? Yes. Tuchilo. All right. She's Italian. T-U-C-C-I, what was it? T-U-C-C-I-L-L-O. What is that? And it's a novel called what? How to be single. Uh, you know, single. can I just tell you this? And I, we've talked about Chicklet a little bit on the show before because, A, uh, you know, because cause it's very pie. And, you know, it's, and it's not like girls have a monopoly on bad fiction. I mean, Chicklet is uh, clearly modeled on uh, what used to, what is in Britain called lad lit, uh, which is all like. She looks how she sounds. Really? Let me see. Oh. Ah! Oh. I missed the ring. Oh, <laughs> stupid, filthy hobbits. Where's my broomstick? <laughs> There's wow. some prettier pictures of her, but she's totally photographed. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the prettier pictures uh, show somebody else. That's what the prettier pictures are of. She's really unpleasant looking. Can I see that again? Yeah, I'll find, I'm finding another one. Oh, okay, wait. Are they all bad? Yeah, there's one that's a little blurrier and further away that she looks better in. She looks better blurred and further away. Wow. Nobody likes Wait, can you, you play one of those sound bites again while we look at her picture, Tim? <laughs> okay, here we go again. Yeah. This is for all the single gals. I find it very uh, fascinating because it's it, crazy it's eyes. Of a, kind of a representation a huge on, mouth. A, on the sort of the American lifestyle and how it's changing. Single women are, I think, to me. Is, ah. that, is, is she wearing eye makeup or is there something wrong with her that's face? I was trying to figure out if that's like a fashion choice or if it, she has like dark circles under her eyes. They could be glass eyeballs. <laughs> Or they could be glass eyeballs. <laughs> there was a third possibility that Rick and Sarah hadn't considered. I like girls with glass eyeballs. <laughs> she looks better. Wow. That's a little better. Well, yeah, because it's kind farther of, away. That is farther away and smaller. <laughs> it's funny. The further away you get, the hotter she is. It's the darndest thing. In the profile shot, she looks like George Washington if you put a, uh, oh, a gray wig on her. Jesus. Um, but, you know, uh, but so there's Chicklet, and I think modern Chicklet started with, I mean, despite what people want to tell you about Jane Austen, in modern Chicklet started, I think, with, with Helen Fielding and Bridget Jones's Diary. And then there's The Devil Wears Prada, and um, what, was the, what was that, Bitter is the New Black or whatever? There's that book. And then there's, like, all the Shopaholic books and the whatever. But as I've said before, the thing about, the thing about Chicklet is that it all comes from the title. You just find the great title. And then you work backwards. So this is the girl's guide to being single, right? 
Yes. And then there's like some of the other ones that and these are all real book titles. It's all those are the ones that my that my kooky aunt used to buy me because she's like, look at how cutting edge I am. And it's always and and the font is always the same. It's like a scrawled handwriting Swirly. with swirlies. Oh, totally. God. It has like pictures of cartoon shoes on the front. Yeah. And it's so there's the Devil Wears Prada. Girls there's, love shoes. Uh, there is uh, Big Bad Wolf Tells All. There's the Beginner's Guide to Infidelity. There's um, the uh, what is it? Um, Alpha Blonde or something? I think that's what it's called. It's called the Alpha Blonde. I saw, and then I saw one at the airport that made me think of Sarah. It, it's that one. Is it? It's called. Um, it's called like Are You There Vodka? It's me, Margaret, or whatever. What? Well, no, and it's I have no idea what it's about, but it's like Are You There Vodka? It's me, Debbie, or something. It's clearly it's a pun on Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, but uh -huh. it's new vodka, and. You know, it's like a novel or whatever. And my, sure enough, my wife almost bought it. I mean, she didn't because she was busy reading some other chiclet. But she almost bought it based solely on the cover, which had a picture of a cartoon. It's like a, a cartoon woman shopping. And, Maybe that's been included on our table at, at Powell's. What? That book. No. For people who want to read it. Well, but you know what? Be there, bud. But what I was thinking, and we probably won't do this here because it would be stupid and a waste of our time. But, you know, what we really ought to do is just set up some sort of... Set up some sort of a company where all we do is we just sit around and we churn out chiclet titles. Well, I told you, and that then we just sell them to authors. I need a title for my um, book. Now, see, I didn't know if we were. I didn't know if we were talking about that on the air. Okay, no, we can. No, because right. I was just I was just rereading it uh, yesterday and how genius it was. Because I had to get because I took off like a couple months, but now I'm I'm getting back. So Sarah, so you are writing a chiclet novel. But uh, from the perspective of one of the. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, from the perspective of one of the people who would be one of the kooky characters in the book. So you need to start learning how to describe it in one sentence, though, because it needs to be put on the front cover as, like, it's a mix of, you know, but I think it's I'm... Pride and Prejudice meets... Okay. Yeah, I knew. I need to figure out exactly how to so describe it. So you need the title. And here's the thing about Chicklet is the title doesn't have to have, do anything with the rest of the book. Uh, the book and the title... I have a title. Really? Good. Mm-hmm. All right. It's really good. You should tell me what it is. Okay. Okay, let's turn off our mics. Okay, Sarah's going to tell me the title of the chiclet novel she's writing. Uh huh. <laughs> that's ridiculous and great. Well okay. done. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. All right. That's fantastic. Um, I was really proud of that one. I'm like, got the title. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. To the surprise of no one, Al Gore is endorsing Barack Obama. He uh, made the big announcement uh, last night. We have such a nominee. We have such a leader. Yes, we can. Ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States of America, Barack Obama. Your vote is very important. If you or a member of your family are serving in the active military, the National Guard or Reserves, you know that elections matter. <laughs> He's really going out on a limb there. Yeah. He uh, connected the Bush administration to the recent salmonella outbreak involving tomatoes. If you care about food safety, if you like a tea on your BLT, you know that elections matter. Hulk Hogan and his family have apparently been receiving some threatening phone calls. You opened your mouth, and it came back that we all haunt you. You and your family, you kept opening your mouth, mouth. so I'm going to put something in this phone bag. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> End of message. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start leaving that as a voicemail with everybody I know. <laughs> who do we who do we know that we can call and leave that on? Sarah Wagner. Oh, that would be mean. And I think illegal. Oh. <laughs> I think I don't think we're allowed to do that. No. Uh, because we're down here, but she's upstairs. Oh yeah, she's not in the special box. No. She can if we can make her come to the studio and listen to it, but that would just be weird. Who don't we like? Um. Uh, 
Oh, any, yeah, because that wasn't because we don't like you. Any either. number of people. I think it's easier to list who we like at this point. That's true. Uh, here's the thing. We're getting all these uh, stories about giveaways gone wrong. Rick, the company I worked for had a customer appreciation barbecue and goodie giveaway. At the end, the grand prize was a whole pig that could be cut and wrapped to the winner's specifications. When the name was drawn, the man returned his ticket and said, please draw again. After much confusion, it was learned the winner was Jewish. That was the last year of the picnic and giveaway. <laughs> here, sir, have a whole pig. What? I don't understand. Uh, here's Tim Riley. A Missouri woman went before Los Angeles federal judge yesterday to face uh, charges that she caused a 13-year-old girl to commit suicide by posting hurtful emails on her MySpace. U.S. Attorney Spokesperson Tom Mezik explains what happened yesterday in court. Lori Drew has entered a not guilty plea to the four counts contained in the federal indictment. She is specifically charged with conspiracy and three counts of illegally accessing a protected computer system. Ms. Drew was released after surrendering the federal authorities on a $20,000 bond. So yeah. she's the one that created the phony identity and posed as a 16-year-old boy to form a relationship with Megan Meyer. Oh, she's in the book. broke it off. Woman. Yeah. No, the 13-year-old hanged herself in her home. She'll get hers. We hope so. Yeah. Oh, by the way. I'm she hasn't gotten hers. I know we talk about this every time we talk about her, but oh, that's, she's no, still breathing. You know what that is? Not that we're advocating that's any we're sort advocating. of vigilante justice. No. Uh, but, you know, that's one of those things where I think people will wait and see if the if the system works. They'll wait and see if the criminal justice system takes care of that. And if not, I suspect that... Um, you know, I think I think things will work themselves out one way or the I other. I think so too. That's it all I'm saying. It wasn't just her too. It was her horrible husband. Yes, it was. And I do believe uh, I I may be wrong with this, but I think their kid was involved in this too. So yeah, I think all those chickens will come home to roost. Hey, by the way, Rick, uh, Liz Tachio is a former writer for Sex in the City. So there you go. All right, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Just a few moments, we will talk to Cena Radio correspondent Rachel McGrath. And by in just a few moments, I mean, wait, oh damn, damn. We're supposed to have a theme ready for Rachel McGrath? Possibly what so. What were we going to get? It was going to be the 20th Century Fox fanfare. Oh. I say, slurring everything as though I was comic book. 20th Century Fox. It's going to be a massively multi-player online role-playing game. Uh, so uh, we'll uh, just... Uh, yeah, and... Uh, okay. So, it's a buffer. Any, anywho. So, you know, let's know. Come on. Mm -hmm. What are we waiting for? Uh, we're waiting to... Uh, to prepare the, uh, with the hole and the, um, yeah, with the thing. Thank you. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program from Los Angeles. Please welcome CNN Radio Court. All right, it's buffered. Uh, hi. hi, Rachel McGrath. How are you? I'm, I'm utterly thrilled and delighted you remembered my music. I, you know, it took a second, and to be, I didn't remember it right away, but to be fair, as I looked down at your name, there was a little circuit that closed in the backwater of my brain that said, you've forgotten something. So You know, you know I've been standing here waiting for this, thinking, I bet he doesn't play me any music, and I was trying desperately to remember what my music was, but there you go, you're better than I am, you've got a memory. All right, I'm going to write that down, and the next time you don't think that I'm up to snuff as a journalist, I'm going <laughs> to read that quote back to you. <laughs> and put it at the top of my resume. Rachel McGrath thinks uh, that I am. McGrath thinks that I am fantastic. Um, all right. So uh, you are. Uh, so you're in Los. So this is the, the the clerk's offices there. Well, they stayed open late last night. Was it all of them or some of them? Is it up to each county office how long they stay open for the for yeah. gay marriages? Yeah. I mean, I'm in West Hollywood, and they um, they opened up at um, nine o'clock this morning, 
And um, I'm in, they have a park behind uh, the offices where they're handing out the marriage licenses. And I'm in a park, and there's about half a dozen white wedding cabanas set up with rose-covered arches and, and plenty of county clerks on hand to just do this almost conveyor belt-like um, wedding ceremonies for all, all the gay couples. And there's still people standing in line. I mean, it's just a steady stream. So here's the thing. Are we going to – is it now just a matter of time till we start hearing these tedious, predictable stories about county clerks who refuse to, to grant a license or before they do whatever it is, they, they, they refuse to recognize a gay marriage? Well, I, I, I think um, that's already half of one or two people are sort of saying it's against their religious principles. But um, county clerks are actually government employees. And certainly West Hollywood. West Hollywood is the sort of gay and lesbian capital in Los Angeles, really. So I, I don't think any of these clerks had any problems with it. So with it, the last time we heard, the, the figure that we heard was somewhere, I mean, it's a huge variant, but somewhere between 400 and $600 million. Uh, they said this is going to cause the, the, the financial influx to the California economy. So well done there. I've already had um, um, several enterprising people are down here who've just got themselves ordained as ministers who, so they can perform weddings, especially to cater to the gay and lesbian community who are now going to be organizing ceremonies. And um, there's even one enterprising chap who, um, who's got a, hired a publicist who was out here handing out press releases to say, this guy's available for your, for your weddings and, uh, you know, we'll organize the whole event for you from catering to flowers to video and whatever. So, yeah, I think it's a booming industry. Hey, can I tell you this? And I really, I do mean this in absolute sincerity. They, it is things like today, like the whole confluence of events. I really do love this country with everything in me because, on the one hand, we've got California at long last, uh, you know, recognizing gay marriage and granted performing gay marriages, and then instantly, it just, the whole cottage industry just springs up within about 36 hours where people are in there to get their slice of the financial pie. That is all things good about America in one big basket. It's the land of opportunity, I tell you. It, it really is. All right, my friend, it has been uh, too long since we spoke. I hope to speak to, with you again uh, in the immediate future, Rachel. It has actually been a pleasure. All right, Rachel McGrath, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. I will. Thank bye you. Bye. There you go. Thank you. And I didn't call her Rebecca. So one of the wind calls for Rick Emerson. She was just so shocked. She's like, it's actually been a pleasure. You know what? And Maybe I... she forgot she was talking to you. Thanks, Tim. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Hey, so do you guys want to hear that Arrested oh, Development yeah. thing? Tim is the black fly in my Chardonnay. Uh, all right. He's a death row what, pardon. What do we have here? This is, uh... this is So this is, it's only 30 seconds, and it says, Rick Emerson guest stars on Arrested Development. Is it amusing? I chuckled. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right, ready to go? Yeah. No, don't know. All right. Tobias listens to a day's worth of his own words to see what Michael was referring to. I fought to have uncovered penises in the studio. We've got to have penis. Nothing wrong with that. I just had a bunch of small, scantily clad Filipino boys trailing me everywhere I went. Out of context. There ought to be a gay musical called Oklahoma. <laughs> and he realizes there is something distinct about the way he speaks. Tobias. You blow hard. <laughs> okay. That is That's pretty fantastic. Genius. I don't what even... did you say you want little Filipino boys trailing you? I don't know. I don't know why I would have said that. I don't know why I would have said any of this. I don't know things. why you say half the things you say. You know, I... Yeah. There's Tim Riley. Well, the Internet will overtake television as the biggest advertising medium in Britain this year, with over 19% of total ad budget spent. The main engine for growth continues to be paid searches on sites such as Google. So we have no idea what's going to happen here. The death toll continues to rise in Iowa with historic flooding across the state. CNN reports floodwaters have already killed five, displacing 38,000 and damaging a billion dollars worth of crops. 
And that's just in one state, Iowa. So that means uh, the price of corn is probably going to go up very, very soon. Resident Carney Bessie lost his home in the flood. I'm still in a kind of like a daze because I've never been homeless. You know, and if you've never been homeless, it's a scary feeling. And I never thought this would happen to me. It is kind of freaky that you would just come home and your house is just gone. Yeah. Well, everything there was flat. So, like, there's no place to hide. So there's really you, you can't go to top of hill. <laughs> to, wait, to where? To the top of hill. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough, Tim. No, I suppose it, you can't. Uh, there's no up to go. No. So I suppose once the water starts rolling, it just continues to uh, it just continues to roll. Just, Correct. That's an interesting. You know, well, that whole area of the country. I that? mean, it's interesting now that you now that I think about it. I mean, if it's totally flat, oh, never mind. This is just going to be one of those dumb science questions. There, there was nothing there but tall grass. I think a little house on the prairie. Then people started planting trees. So because it's totally flat, the water doesn't roll away. Right. There's no place for it to roll to. Okay, I see. So it, 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 that's it, elementary. So the I suppose I guess it's not really as difficult as I'm making. Like with everything, I'm making it much harder than it really is. So, <laughs> so the water just falls, and basically the water just stays wherever it lands. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is bad then. All right. right. Well, say the, if you dump water on this counter, it, it's not going to go anywhere. It'll just sit. There. It'll just stay right well, there. Well, we don't want to do that anyway. No, no, of course not. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, leaders in Levittown are up in arms after the Long Island town has uh, been made an option on a multiple-choice question that asked students to identify a shanty town. Uh, the town supervisor, <laughs> Kate Murray, says she is personally taken aback by this question. The educational specialist up in uh, Albany who crafted this test wanted to take a very biased view of, uh, of Levittown. And as a lifelong Levittowner, I am outraged and disgusted at the derogatory, offensive, and historically inaccurate reference. A shantytown. Uh, that's historically inaccurate? That's pretty great. Oh, all right. Wonderful. Levittown is America's first suburb. Uh. And all the houses look the same. Uh, Rick, in 1997, I worked at a supermarket in Beaverton. That year, our store was number one in the company for customer service. The prize was a Honda Civic. The winner was the mentally handicapped janitor who did not drive. <laughs> uh, excellent. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, in yet another shining example of the competency and thoroughness of our local television news here in Portland. Not all of it's bad. <laughs> Just the other day, they reported on a on a naked bike ride in Boulder, Colorado, where uh, 200 people rode naked for this world naked bike ride. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, right here in our fine city of Portland, 2,000 of us had ridden through the streets of downtown completely naked. When did that happen? That was Saturday night. They didn't send out a press release. Nobody knew. I was just going to, you know, if you if you don't tell anybody about it, it's like it never happens. It's sort of the media is not there to cover it or talk about it. In short, if we are not discussing it, it's like it never transpired. I know. It's funny, too, because it was well organized. They had a great party before and after. I never got it. Yeah. If only anybody knew about it. The next I time know. they should just... Were you part of this? I was. I wrote, yeah. Here's a dumb question. Why? It's to raise awareness, to get people to go, hey, look, we're wacky, we're on bicycles, you should get on a bicycle, too. What did most of these people look like? It is to to raise awareness of your wackiness. (laughs) No, you know, just to get people to ride bikes. No, the the crowd was shockingly young. Uh, It was mostly, like, hipsters and hippies and burnouts. I mean, hippies. I I don't even know how how to to start discussing this. Were they on the way to the naked beach by any I Well, and how do I put this? It was not your typical nudist uh, group of people, put it that way. Uh, but, okay, but... I don't know what that means. If you are 
if you're riding a bicycle nude, it would seem that uh, how, how shall I put this? Um, it, it worked. It worked better actually because everything for me stayed centered, where normally wow. I, it, it goes around. But yes. no, this time it stayed centered uh, because there was nothing else around it. I don't know. It just N- nothing better. was dragging in the spokes. Yeah. <laughs> Is but if you are uh, if you are riding a bicycle naked, it seems like uh, depending on one's gender, couldn't that be? Um, I don't know. Couldn't there be some awkwardness there? No. Couldn't that be uncomfortable? It was actually more comfortable for me. All right. I think it's the end of this discussion. Thank yeah. you, sir. I appreciate it. That's not really what I was going for, but all right. Here's Tim Riling. We'll do a few more and we'll take a break. Well, they evacuated an Oregon City hotel after finding what they thought could have been a methamphetamine lab. They were called out to the River Shore Hotel on Clackamas Drive. They arrived to find a man unconscious in his room and chemical fumes everywhere. Uh, along with the pungent smell coming from the room, they could see strange liquids in the sink. And there was a lit barbecue grill in the room. An 911 caller first reported the man was grilling in his hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) A large part of the hotel was evacuated. As crews tried to sort out the situation... Can you just go to a Denny's or something? I I suppose so. All right. As it turned out, authorities said there were no drugs at all, just a barbecue grill, and there was definitely not a drug lab. Mm -hmm. So it turned out just an... You're not supposed to have a barbecue in your room. <laughs> I guess some people haven't been told. No. Let's do one more here, and then we'll uh, we'll break it. Well, a back. mystery is afoot in Vancouver, B.C. A fifth human foot in a year has washed up along the shores of British Columbia, and this time it's a left foot. Police said two people uh, were out for a walk when they saw a left foot floating in the water. Uh, officials are working with the B.C. Quarters Office to see if this foot is linked to any of the other uh, feet found recently. It was at the mouth of the Fraser River. Well, that seems like a dumb... I mean, that seems like a thing you wouldn't have to really work to with. Of course it is. I mean, there's no... Why would... How, in what world would it... Look, unless there's something really, really wrong with the ecosystem in your ocean, it doesn't seem like feet would just be washing up on the shore like five and how long? A year? Mm-hmm. If five feet... I mean, that's a foot every... Uh, what? Every, like, uh, every 70 days. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's not attached to anything, right? It's not like it's not attached to legs or whatever. Yeah, it seems like something where there would almost... I mean, I would be staggered if there was not a connection in some way. All right, uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. Here's what is uh, still to come on the program. Uh, more from Tim Riley. We'll do the top five uh, top five songs that begin an album. Uh, we'll ask the question, what the hell is Silent Running by Mike and the Mechanics about? Uh, we'll play this uh, trailer for the show Hurl, which is going to start on G4. And uh, I have something else. Oh, uh, more tips on decorating your home for when a lady friend comes to visit. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. By the way, you missed the greatest Sarah Dillon comeback of all time because it happened in the kitchen during a break just now. So, so I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to eat. I'm trying to eat more sensibly, uh, and whatever. And so, we're in the kitchen, and Sarah says, "So you're going to start exercising too?" And I said, "Well, do you mean in addition?" Because I'm, you know, blah blah blah, trying to bicycle, blah blah blah. And I said, "Do you mean in addition to bicycling?" And she said, "No." And I said, uh, I said, well, you know, probably not. And she said, well, you know, all you need to do is, you know, exercise. You know, you don't really need to diet. And I said, I know I'm recreating a whole conversation, but I said, I said, well, I just don't want to, you know, I, I think it would be pretty easy for me to get fat. Like, I know I'm not morbidly obese, but I think it would be easy for me to get fat. And so, without even missing a beat, responded with, 
I don't know. You've been trying pretty hard, and it hasn't really happened yet. So, anyway, so there you go. And I didn't even mean it to be mean. <laughs> no, I'm just... You I really do. You eat like crap, and it never... And you lose weight. But I I take very poor care of myself. I really do. But can I just be... Would you like me to point out uh, now specifically the areas of my body that I think are sort of flabby? Would you like to know? No. You're really. such a girl. I'm just saying because I... I'm not happy with my thoughts. Because I, I know you think it's all in my head. That's the thing. Like, I know, I know you think that I'm Rick, sort you of... Don't, it's a, you don't need to do that. I'm hallucinating a whole thing. All I'll right. I'll take this macaroni and cheese and apply it directly <laughs> to my thighs. <laughs> apply directly to thighs. <laughs> all right. Well, that was awkward. Uh, let's see. Okay, do you want to share with... No, I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> if you don't want to know, I'm just saying... I, I, I don't... I'm, I think I'm treading a middle ground here where on the one hand... Again, I know that it's, you know, I don't weigh 400 pounds, but on the other hand, let's be honest. I don't, I also don't wish to look as though I'm just seizing on some sort of weird weight issue that isn't really there because of all the different types of crazy that I am. Like, I don't need to, one more to the pile to add. Never mind now. I'm, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm moving on. Quit talking to me! <laughs> Anywho. Wow. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll do uh, more news. More news here in a second. <laughs> Well, enjoy the crazy before it's medicated away, Sarah. You are going to be so boring. I thought you were going to bring these air checks to the shrink's office. <laughs> Tim, he was sitting and in the kitchen eating an was... apple. It was <laughs> so weird. Look at the look that Tim gives me. You know, that's a, you well, know I have my other shrink appointment. That's, a, that's exactly the look that Matt Green gave me this morning when he saw me eating radishes. I mean, really, the, I thought that was a joke. You were actually eating radishes. Why would I joke about eating radishes? <laughs> it sounded like a cup. Funny comedy routine. <laughs> Look, Rick Emerson eats vegetables. <laughs> no, I was. No, Isn't is your body like rejecting them? <laughs> a, a radish is a funny vegetable. It really is. What would you say is the funniest vegetable? Go. A rutabaker. See, I'd say kumquat, but I would. Or is that a fruit? I think it's a fruit. All right, but but rutabaga—that's really funny too. Can I tell you? I don't really know what a rutabaga is. Think a squash. Is it like a squash? Is it a part? Is it a squash family? You know what else is funny? I don't know if it's a fruit or a vegetable, and I'm not going to open up the whole tomato thing. But uh, you know what else is funny? Persimmon. A persimmon is kind of funny. Also, it's just a funny word, persimmon. Persimmon? Yeah. I think a persimmon. You know what What is kind of amusing is a pomegranate. Pomegranate is kind of a funny-sounding word, too. All right. I think we've reached the end of this. Um, uh, so we'll do uh, more news here in a moment. Top five coming up. Um, and we've got this. So this is. So yesterday, we had had this uh, email. We, we were talking about... Um, I forget what the hell it was, something on the top five. And we got an email that said, you know, you said you ought to start taking like one segment a week where you dissect like a bad old song uh, in the manner of heart. All I want to do is make love to you. And we were trying to figure out if the person was sarcastic or not, because I had thought it was sarcasm. Because remember, remember that time you took 20 minutes to talk about hearts. All I want to do is make love to you, which almost sounds like a parody of something we would do. But apparently we did it at one point. And I guess we spent. Because yeah, an... we were analyzing it. So like, why did she sleep with him? Was she sleeping with him because her man couldn't satisfy her? Because she wanted a baby. It's because well, it's because her man was infertile. Uh, it's because she, she was. Comes across the stranger that she humped, and he saw his own eyes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I thought the caller, the emailer, was being sarcastic. And uh, and so here we go. No sarcasm. Here's a follow-up. Seriously, I was not being sarcastic at all. I was, uh, he's talking about the day that we spent 20 minutes talking about all I want to do is make love to you. I was having a terrible day nannying a four-year-old, and I had to go to Winco. <laughs> that is certainly seeds for a terrible day, sir. Uh, I sat in the car and was laughing because the segment was so brilliant. I still remember being in Vancouver in the Winco parking lot listening to you guys talking about all I want to do is make love to you by heart. So, 
There you go. The only problem with this is, and I'm really not doing this to solicit like high concept calls or whatever, because uh, we're sort of in danger today of every single thing we do uh, today being a high concept topic. But I think that we, like in terms of sort of, especially if you're going to look at it like the 70s or the 80s, in terms of ridiculous songs, I mean, I think you might peak with All I Want to Do is Make Love to You by heart. I mean, I really can't, I, I can't offhand, it, unless you're going to go with like a novelty song of some kind, like some terrible Ray Stevens song, I can't really think of like a regular sort of top 20 or top 10 hit that is just stranger and weirder than that song. Well, like, I mean, there's really just nowhere to go. Making, but the words making love in them are always weird. We could do the top five songs that have making love. Making love, love out of nothing at all. Uh, there's that. Uh, there's Fog Hats. All I want to do is make love to you. I think that might be all it. I want to do is make love to you. Oh, and that country band was singing a Journey song last night, too. Uh, yeah, that's that right. Um, oh, no, it's I Just Want to Make Love to You. Isn't that that Fog Hat song, Tim? Are you a big Fog and Hat? And then there's, all make, there's Boys and Men, I'll Make Love to You. That's what I was thinking. We've got to do the top five today. I think we've just done the top five, though. I think we've just listed them. Yeah, that Fog Hat song. Fog Hat is one of the worst bands on earth. It, Fog Hat's one of those bands also that has somehow not made the transition into today's young people's listening. You know what I mean? It is a lot. I mean, there's a lot of classic rock bands that sort of get handed down, brother to brother, father to son, one generation to the next. Foghead is a band that did not make the transition. They were they were left in the way back then. Corporate rock. Foghead, here's another band like that. Uh, Foghead didn't make the cut. Black Oak, Arkansas. That doesn't get handed down. Also, um, let's see, who else? Isn't there a band called Blackfoot? Doesn't and they saw that song, Train, Train. Isn't that Blackfoot that did that band? Or that Possibly. I, it doesn't ring a bell. All right, well, in any event. Uh, so we'll talk about Mike and the Mechanics here in a few. Uh, coming up next hour, Top 5 and more. This, however, at the Ministry of Truth is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. By a double-digit margin, most Americans believe Barack Obama will win the presidential election. This is the new Gallup poll. It finds 52% of voters think Obama will win. Only 49, uh, 41 rather, percent think McCain will be the next president. Although that's an 11-point difference, only six percentage points separate the pair by Gallup's daily tracking poll. That separate survey finds Obama still leading McCain. Uh, the Gossip Girl is a popular choice at this year's Teen Choice Awards. The CW drama leads the pack with 14 nods, including choice drama and breakout show. Star Kelly Rutherford, who plays Lily Vander Woodson on the series, said the show's popularity. Really? <laughs> it is Lily Vander Woodson. Mm-hmm. Uh, says the show's popularity is due to uh, a couple of things. With um, Sex in the City and shows like that, it kind of opened the door for us. And I think it's also, it's great to see families that aren't portrayed as perfect, you know, or that are kind of more real. Um, and I think there's a mystique about the Upper East Side, too. How old is she really? I have no idea. Like 30? What is she playing? Is she supposed to play a kid? I suppose so. Yeah, that doesn't... Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a little bit of a... She's a star. I think it's a little bit of a throwback to the What's 70s where you have like... Her real name is. is Kelly Rutherford, and she plays a character named Lily Vander Woodson. That does sound like one of those like where you had 45-year-old sweat hogs uh, on Welcome Back. Oh, no, she does play the mother. Oh, okay. Uh, she gives a definition of what gossip is. So much of gossip is really about... Um, Affirming that we're not alone. <laughs> so I think everyone gossips on a certain level for that reason. And there's, you know, there's a way to gossip that's not putting anyone down, but yet at the same time really relating. Oh, for the love of God. All right. So setting the record straight, Billy Ray Cyrus once again confirmed he was not around when his daughter Miley posed provocatively for Vanity Fair. Okay, that's a lie. He's in the photos. Yeah, well, he's lying. 
This is a new interview with Access Hollywood today. Billy Ray Cyrus says he was not on the set when his 15-year-old daughter wrapped herself in a blanket in those now infamous shots. I wasn't there. Do we, do we, do we saw video footage? I'm, I'm of, looking at the video right now. There's <laughs> video footage of her, like, laying half-naked on his lap. Mm-hmm. In the same there. outfit. Maybe it's a body double. <laughs> I mean... Is that one of those things where he's just going to deny it and hope that the denial somehow sticks? Yeah. This is you. No, it isn't. You're in these photographs. No, I'm not. Okay. Oh, all right. Whatever. Um, on February 9, 2008, Annie Leibovitz photographed Hannah Montana star Miley Cyrus and her father, Billy Ray Cyrus, for Vanity Fair. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all that video of her laying in his... I mean, I don't even need to rehash it. We've all seen it. It's on the... All right. Uh, let's see. Well, this is the show in a nutshell. Rick, let me get this straight. You start off the bit asking for a name for a funny vegetable, and then right off the bat, you name three different fruits. Way to go. Ha ha. <laughs> so, there you go. That's like my double-wide back-to-back trailer thing. <laughs> when... All right. That's why people listen. Yes, it is, Tim. Yes, it is. All right. Let's do, um, let's do one more, and then we'll see, we'll see how far we actually make it through this Mike and the Mechanics song before we just lose interest in the entire bit. This is a very, very bad idea. They want a section of Portland to go carless, and of all places... North Portland. <laughs> North Portlanders will get a feel of what it's like to function without vehicles for the day. As the city tries a car-free experiment, why aren't they doing this in the West Hills? Six miles of streets are going to be closed off to vehicles this Sunday uh, from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's going to be called Sunday Parkways. The goal of the city of Portland's Office of Transportation is to create a six-mile temporary walk connecting North Portland neighborhoods. Like anybody would want to walk around half these neighborhoods. <laughs> After all, North Portland is a mix of traditions, cultures, and great uh, livable parks when people aren't dealing drugs and killing each other. Uh, this is patented after Bogota, Colombia. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm serious. I think the rest of North Portland is also uh, drawing a lot of inspiration from Bogota, Colombia, if you know what I mean, Tim. Back in Portland, residents will be encouraged to limit their vehicle motor use during the event. So this is outside of this area, apparently? So, I don't understand. So they're blocking off. They don't want you to drive there. So six blocks of north... Six miles. Six miles? Of streets in North Portland. And want you to... Hi, neighbor. Let's get acquainted. How are you supposed... I mean, how are you supposed to get anywhere? Uh, you can still take the bus. Or the max. Oh, can you? Yeah. Uh, that's mighty big of them. Private buses and trains along the interstate route will continue to operate. You know, I, I mean, color me dumb. I mean, I know that they're the government and they can sort of do what they want, but that doesn't even seem like it's legal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, if, were, if we're paying taxes to, you know, build and maintain roads, I don't think you can sort of just close them off and then deny us the use. Is it to, is it some sort of where they're trying to ease congestion? They're trying a car-free experiment. But I mean, to what end? Like what is the to what see is if maybe the the vehicles don't need to be on the streets? I suppose. But so. I mean, why? I, they it, want everyone to. They're forcing people to get out and enjoy the walkable, bikeable. That's streets. kind of my question: is what is the specific problem they're trying to solve? Are the streets too crowded in North Portland? They want people to stop uh, driving. I think that they, probably, they're, get, they're getting poor people prepared for the fact they're not going to be able to afford gas. <laughs> is anymore. that what it is? So like they're, gonna, have, they're not doing this in a wealthy well, neighborhood. They're hippie, doing this in North. Boiling the frog slowly, Tim. Just like hippie environmental thing, you know that because it saves gas. You know, and people aren't polluting. You'd think that they would start that in. I'm surprised that Hawthorne's still a road. I'm, I expected that like to make it like a walking, like a I'm, like a shopping I'm sure street. It's going to be. I mean, it's just so crazy. Now. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I'd be totally okay with. We well, don't see clog dancers and things in the middle of the street. Well, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of streets like that that are just um, between like 34th and 39th. If that was just a giant walkway, I think that would because totally you can't work. drive down that street anyway. Because yeah, there's it, no place to park. No, well, yeah, there's no place idea. to park. And then let me and let let's me ask you this: Here, let's have a block party. This is. Do you mean on Hawthorne? Yeah. What? 
We can stage our own block party. You mean we as a radio station, as yes. a show? Yes. That could be our big event. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, here's the thing about driving. Driving on Hawthorne is sort of like driving on Burnside, though. I just don't. This is so this is so local and relatable, but I don't understand why they designed Hawthorne the way they did because there's all those intersections where you can't turn. turn. Yeah, and it's always when I want to turn left. That's the thing is that I don't know why it is always as I am getting ready to turn left. Like once you get past the Baghdad or something, mm. and then there's the big thing saying no left turn for no readily definable reason. Like I guess they're doing it theoretically to sort of ease down and congestion. But you know, the road is so freaking congested anyway. That there's nothing I avoid that... Hawthorne. I'll, I'll drive out of my way to avoid, you know, go around I would Man, I will do that, too. I will, abs- I, will go, I will go half a mile out of my way if it means not having to go down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, if I'm going to go to CD Game Exchange or something, like, I will just, I will either turn early or I'll go all the way up and I'll turn, like, uh, like right before you get to Belmont. If you're going down 39th and you go right past the Belmont Library uh-huh. and there's that left turn right before you get to a convenience store and you can just park on a site, you can park on, like, Madison or something. Uh, because Hawthorne is just, uh, it, I don't think any, I think if we put that to a vote right now, I don't think anybody would mind turning Hawthorne into just sort of a walking shopping district. I think it should. It would just, it would, there's so many accidents and stuff there too. And like, you know, bike riders sharing the road I with got cars. I got Hawthorne a few years Did ago. You? Hawthorne yeah, and people where? parking. Hawthorne and Hawthorne and Yeah. Oh, it was right about Hawthorne on like 42nd. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, you know, Hawthorne and 39th is the most dangerous pedestrian intersection in the city. Um, 82nd and Powell is the most dangerous vehicular intersection, meaning cars hitting cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawthorne and 39th, uh, by statistics, is the most dangerous because uh, everybody is just trying to either get onto Hawthorne and they have to stop suddenly or they're trying to get off of Hawthorne. And they are, you know, they're driving. They're going down 39th and they're trying to make that left onto Hawthorne and, like, when pedestrians are running across. I've seen it happen. Or you're bit. going up 39th and you're taking a, uh, you're going up Hawthorne, rather. And, and you right. turn right into 39th, right by the Hawthorne Theater, and there's always, you know, there's a show or whatever, and there's just, you know, kids there. And you turn and, you, I mean, it's a miracle. They don't get plowed into all the time. Yeah, I would completely vote for that idea. So, anyway. All right. Uh well, okay. We we might as well just give this a little bit of a college try here and okay. see how it works. So this is Jesus, and I was it was getting this Mike and the Mechanics song. I can't even believe even as the words are leaving my mouth, I can't even believe it. Can anybody here name two other hits by Mike and the Mechanics? Go. No, I no. can't. You know them even if you can't name them. You of all people should know at least one of their other big hits, Sarah. I have no idea. Living ears. Oh, the yeah. Living ears. Yeah. Children's choir. That's what I'm saying. Mike and the Mechanics are a singularly faceless band, though. Wouldn't you agree? I, mean, I, I think they were. I mean, they had, I think, four different top ten hits in the '80s. But you know, no one knows anybody in the band. Uh, no one. I can't, I can't imagine what I can't picture what a single one of their record covers. Maybe they like. went back to becoming uh, Mechanics again. I do believe that Mike and the Mechanics wasn't that. Uh, all I need is a miracle. All yeah. I need is you. Yeah. I think that's them as well. So I was playing this song this morning. Do you realize this song has like a 90-second intro before any actual music happens? Mm-hmm. No, I remember you skipped it yesterday. So this is... Oh, one, of the mem- one of the members died in the year 2000. Oh. This is the problem with bands that grow up listening to Pink Floyd. And they all think that like a four-minute, just one-note keyboard intro to their song is a genius idea. Let me skip ahead. Thank you. So this was on the top five. Another song. 
feather war domestic dispute. No, I think it's. So right now, I realize that I've had 22 years to think about this, and I have no idea what this song is about. This is like, uh, you know, this is well, like you that. Even me, I'm in the high command. And don't believe the church and state and everything they tell you. And as Tim pointed out yesterday, it is strange to think that we were all dancing to this, like, in sixth grade or something. All just sitting People there. Are shaking their rumps on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of what they're dancing white to. kids sort of gyrating awkwardly in a did school gymnasium. Rumps, Tim? I Please did. say you said rumps. I did. Rumps. I haven't heard that word in forever. You know rump. what? You know what word you don't let's hear a lot, Sarah? Back. Let's stop saying ass. Let's say rump. And start saying cleavage more. Where is he running? I think we'll go to the cellar. You can't hear him running. The song is called Silent Running. We can't hear you. Hey, he's only barefoot. <laughs> Through a field of lilies. I'm sorry. The thing has happened again where we got phone calls to get to. There's a gun and ammunition just inside the doorway. This sounds like somebody who really wants to be Peter Gabriel but can't quite make it work. I was thinking Phil Collins. I can see that. You should pray to God, the Father and the Spirit will guide you and protect you from up here. All right, does anybody have any idea? A guess? Protect you from what? We'll guide you and protect you from up here. No. Tim, anything? No. Sarah? Well, it's obviously some kind of, like, like a but, nuclear war or something. But see, but so they, here, here's another hypothesis. Silent Running was going to be part of a soundtrack for a movie that never was released. The kind of like... Uh, Red Dawn. Yeah. Red Dawn sounds great. That's... <laughs> what? I think Red Dawn sounds great. You mean as far as, like, a plausible explanation yeah. for this? Mm-hmm. So you're, but you were saying like Mr. Roboto. Yes. Which was the, oh wait, no, Kilroy always, was here. Yeah, Kilroy was here, and I've always wanted to, because I remember I had that album when I was younger, and then I, you know, since then I've bought it again. Oh my God! What? It wasn't me. And, um, <laughs> and there are all these pictures on the inside of the album, which I was obsessed with when I was younger, and I still am now, where it's like what the movie was supposed to be. Have you seen that behind the music? Uh, no. For Sticks? Oh no, you've got to watch the behind the music about Sticks, because first of all, what's his name? Um... God, who was the guy that wrote uh, Dennis DeYoung? Is that him? Yes. Who was the guy, the sort of Broadway-obsessed guy? That was him? I think that was him. Yeah, and they all just hate him uh, because they just wanted to rock out and just play, like, uh, you know, Renegade over and over again at state fairs and get laid a lot. And he was the, he was the Jim Steinman guy in the band who's just like he wanted to make everything do a rock opera, and the other guys in the band just started to hate him. And so at one point, I think they had just kicked him out. They're like, we've had it up to here with your poncing. And they just they sort of booted him out. Um, you know what else is supposed to be like that is the album, uh, the Kiss album, Music from the Elder. It's called Music from the Elder. It's a terrible album, by the way. It's just a big ass load of bad. Um, it was such a terrible album that this never happened, but they wrote the soundtrack first, thinking that the album was so genius that it was going to eventually be made into a movie. Like, they were all just so delusional and just like... Um, so out of touch with everything. They're like, we'll write this album and it'll be genius and then it'll be so wonderful they'll demand to make a movie out of it. So they wrote the soundtrack first and of course the soundtrack, the album is just a huge disaster. No. And it keeps going. This song also, in addition to having, in addition to having like a four minute intro, it has like a, like a two minute trail. 
where it's just like that same keyboard uh, outro that just plays eternally. Oh, for the love of... Wow. So get this. You know how you were saying it reminds you of Peter Gabriel yeah. and Bill Collins? Uh, Mike and the Mechanics were founded by Mike Rutherford, the lead guitarist for oh, Genesis. From he Genesis. formed them because he was unhappy with the songs performed by Genesis once Phil Collins took control after Peter Gabriel left. Really? How weird is that? So your assessment of the song saying, like, want to be Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel is right on. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Hey, Sarah uh, so, so stole a little bit of my thunder there, but because um, I was going to mention that. Do you I'm know sorry, who the lead singer is? Uh, I don't. He's the guy who sang Tempted when he was in Squeeze, Paul Carrick. Oh, Paul Carrick. He was also in, um, was he in... Till Tuesday? Oh, I don't know. Wasn't that a chick, some sort of bleach blonde chick singing? Amy, the one that was Amy Mann who sang that song Voices Carry, but I think Paul Carrick might have been in that band as well. Maybe I'm making that up. Yeah. So Paul Carrick was the guy, so he sang Tempted okay. by the Fruit of Another. Yeah, the good version of it, yeah. Oh, I could see that. All right. All right, and, uh, you know, if someone has to say this, nah, I'm not going to say it. Have a great day, man. Okay, thank you. What were you going to say? Oh, well, okay, this is... You can't do that and then not tell us. All right, I'll I'll say it then. Um, We have a new direction firmly against all things but sex. (laughs) See, you had to say that. Someone had to say it and it was you, sir. Okay, well, are you glad glad it was said? Yes. I mean, let me ask you, who else did you think was going to say that? Like... I don't you, know, but that's the way my brain works. Did you imagine uh, that there was a long line of people who were queued up to use that phrase on the air and you were going to let any of the score of people who were waiting do it? Only in as much as the Rick Emerson fans out there, you know, pay, who pay attention, needed to string those three statements together. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye. KCMD Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's today? up? Hey, you mentioned, uh, you know, Mike and the Mechanics, how it sounds so much like Pink Floyd and yeah. like Peter Gabriel. Well, Mike in Mechanics was Mike Rutherford of Genesis. Yeah, somebody mentioned that. So, so which is so that and so the weird. So I guess he was all uh, irritated with Phil Collins. So he said, I'll, "I'll form another band and make a song." It sounds just like Peter Gabriel. Yeah, and he had Paul Carrick and also Eric Carmen in his band. Eric Carmen, really, all by myself, yeah. Eric Carmen. Yeah, he sang. Uh, he was the one that sang the lead for uh, Living Years. Wow, what an amazingly bland uh, song to come out of a group of people like that. Yeah, all right. True. I mean, I, all right. I, any I, idea I, what the song's so, about, so. though, sir? All right. Well, thank you. Rick. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks so much. So I guess everyone gets us about Mike Rutherford. Now I know more about Mike and the mechanics. Well, this than is I like Groundhog Day. Seriously, I just uh, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. He was in Genesis. Oh, I think it's about uh, what's become the stereotypical uh, uh, post-apocalyptic uh, dystopia that genre thing. You know, that connects with all this paranoids out here that, that thinks we're just one or two eye blinks away from some some sort of. Uh, uh, apocalypse that destroys the structures of society, and uh, you know you're going to have to kill some people. Fantastic! Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Make a note. That's that might be what it's about. Uh, so I but now where did you read the thing that it was about a, a film that was never made? Is that just a theory? That is a theory. That is a theory. Which makes sense to me. When did Red Dawn come out? Oh, was that '86? Because this could have been written, maybe this was written uh, to be the like the presumptive theme song. To... Did lights just go off? Oh, that was just the studio next door. Maybe this was written to be the presumptive theme song to Red Dawn. That does happen sometimes where artists will write a song for a soundtrack, and then it's never used. Uh, like Alice Cooper wrote the song Man with the Golden Gun that was supposed to be for uh, James Bond, and then they didn't use it. And so it's Red Dawn, 1984. I don't know, so that didn't work. Uh, Unless they wrote it earlier in the... 86. Oh, what's this Red Dawn coming out in 2010? Please tell me there's a remake of Red Dawn. Oh, let's look here. 
You know, <laughs> Tim's shaking his head disapprovingly. Hey, you know what we're going to be giving away? It is a development project. Really? Are they remaking Red Dawn? That's all it's saying. You know, here's the thing about making Red Dawn is you can probably do it. You probably couldn't have done it 10 years ago because we were trying to be friends with the Russians, with the former Soviets. But it's, I think enough time has passed. That's like Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, right? Is that Enough time has passed that we can now show them as villains again. I think there was a time when, you know, Glasnost and the whatnot, uh, that we were... You know, we we were trying to sort of to, to get in good with the Russians, and I think now we've just, we've either decided that we're either good enough friends or we're back to being enemies enough that we can remake Red Dawn. Um, hey, you know we're going to be giving away in two weeks. We're going to be giving away copies of the sequel to The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah, Lost Boys, blah blah blah, two whatever, featuring a guest appearance by Corey Feldman. Yeah, I got another. Has anybody gone to Wikipedia? For what? For this? For this song? What's it called again? Oh, I have. Silent. Is that where you got this from? No, I got a lot of, well, information that's really not information. It tells you nothing. All right. It's I can't tell. Silent running. Yeah, this is either a really good bit or a really bad I'm one. interested. All I right. am. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Yeah, that's on it. There was a British movie. I'm not sure if it ever got released or not, but the song was for that. And in the video, they've actually got clips from the movie. Wait, so there's a British movie called Silent Running. I'm, I'm not sure if Silent Running was the title of it, but there was a British movie that I'm not sure if it was released or not, and that song was the uh, the main song. For was it? it do you know? Was it written? Was it written? Is uh, wait? Is Silent Running? Are you thinking of Silent Running, a 1972 ecologically themed science fiction film? No, I'm not. It's a. It was a 1980s British film. Um, there were scenes of like guys in the uh, the big silver suits, like an ET, when they come in, they get the uh, alien at the end, and they're running around, and there's kids. Trying to run away from them and stuff like that. Oh, this is frustrating. So I'm looking at the, uh, the, the, the at Wikipedia and there's an entry. It's that frustrating thing where it's like a redlined entry. It's an entry that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, let's see here. Wait, wait. Now there is. So they list silent running, but there's actually no explanation for it at all. Okay. All it right. might have never been released. All right. Thank you. No all problem. Right, bye. All right. So, yeah, all I'm finding about it is all these people who are obsessed with the movie that it was supposedly about, and nobody knows the name of it. Yeah, I so it's that. like hundreds of people. Hi, you're on the Rick. So we are tapping the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, but honestly, I'm, I'm looking at this. It's just pages and pages of people. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? There used to, I don't know if you remember this movie, but there used to be a movie with Bruce Dern. It was a space movie. It had three little robots called Huey, Louie, and Dewey. It, it was an agricultural spaceship. Um, the guy, the, the crew goes kind of nuts, but it was called Run Silent, Run Deep. I totally remember that movie. Yeah, this movie was originally called Silent Running. Wait, so what, so is that the movie from which this song derives? No, it, it, but the, it's not. The, what, my theory, because I, you've been insulting thing I love for the last week. But, okay. You know, hey, that's a different story. What else do you um, love that I've insulted? Well, let's see. I am a soccer referee, and you know, I, I am now scandalous. I love Yes, which makes me a you know a. Uh, I guess you call it an alt rock moron. A prog rock moron. Did I? Uh, did I insult soccer? No, no, not soccer. Just no. the refs. I was, I was very, I was particularly frustrated after a Timbers game where the refs oh. weren't supposed. Not. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Not like, you be specifically. All enveloping. All right. No, it, it's okay. I said that's one of the reasons I love you guys is you don't pull punches. Well, thank you. Um, but no, it. Um, to me, it's like I said. I, I've listened to a bunch of you know Mike and the Mechanic songs. It's kind of like the police singing to do 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 da 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 da. It's just a song. They threw a bunch of thoughts together and said, "Hey, this is good." It means nothing. It, it wasn't for anything. It's just, yeah, this sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Well, you know, the, the stranger things have happened. I mean, as everybody sort of knows, there's the famous story about them. Uh, the famous story about yesterday by Paul McCartney, which was very nearly titled "Scrambled Eggs" because it was like 
scrambled eggs, blah, 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 I love your legs, or whatever, and then somebody was like, oh, that's, that's stupid, you've got to change it. So these sometimes it is just something that sounds cool that means absolutely nothing. All right, thank There's you, sir. Do, do, do. All right, sorry about the soccer and the uh, prog rock and the hey, hey. It's bad, okay. All right, thanks so much. All right, here's another one. Rick, about weird songs, you guys are got to talk about Ace of Base, All That She Wants. I don't get it. Is this about a kidnapping? Totally. All That She Wants is another baby? I don't even know what that is. I think it's about a woman who just wants to be pregnant. I think. I don't think there's any deeper meaning. I think she just wants to be, uh, I think she wants my seed, Sarah. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, uh, I had watched a VH1 interview with them, and they said that they wrote the song for a movie that was never made. All right, fair enough. And then they just, and then, re they, now you did see them say this. Yeah, it was, uh, like on VH1 Classics, it was a, it was a, uh, interview they did way back, like, Mid '80s or something like that. All right, and you so can tell by the, you can tell by the hair. All right, you know what? So we will okay. We will accept that. And to, uh, we will accept this as the answer until something comes along to sort of knock it off. Uh, okay. All right. Till something knocks it off the top, we will assume that that is the right answer. Then, my friend. Yeah, and isn't that Ace of Base song? Isn't that just about a roadie who wants his seed? A roadie who wants what? His seed. You know, uh, you know, uh, 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 not a roadie, but uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about? The uh, stage whore. It's about a groupie who wants a yeah, roadie. Why would you want the seed of a roadie? <laughs> I mean, of all people, that's like being impregnated by a carny. Well, yeah, but... You yeah. know what I really want is to have sex with a roadie, more than anything. <laughs> all right, well, well, we'll look into it. All okay. right, thank Bye. you. All right. All right. Um, all right, well, in any event. Okay, well, so... Do want to break, or should we just power through? Well, we might as well just power through. We could do our high-concept thing here. What was our thing? Well, I got like I got like nine different. Seriously, we've done so much at this point. Um, I could if, if today's show has really been uh, packed. So here's what we could do: uh, we could either do the second half of, although I think we may have kind of figured everything out. We could do the second half of decorating your place uh, for when a girl comes to stay. But I think we've sort of established, like, is there anything sort of left to be clarified? No, I think that's just clean it and. Just clean it and don't leave but, your porn around and yeah. you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, just you know, here's the thing: I would say. Well, I know this person, and they're like, they, they wouldn't have, like, porn and stuff around. Well, I think that he'll be just fine. Even if they did, I mean, they would probably stash it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the person, you know, is, I would say, generally pretty clean. So, uh, I would say this. If a girl is coming to stay with you, and it's a girl with whom, you know, you, like, you're trying to make a good impression or whatever, uh, I would say the key is to just act as, I know this sounds weird, but just act as though, like, your mom is coming to stay. Uh, you know, uh, and that like you want your mom to be impressed, right? That's because good, yeah, because I mean, look, everybody has. Um, my wife used to call it the sin drawer. My wife, you know, it's like the thing when your your parents come to stay, and it's all the crap that like your parents probably know you do, but that like you don't want them to know you do. So it's like you know. Oh, I have like pictures. That I take down like everything that I have to clean up for my mom. Totally, and it's like you know, some you know like a huge like a half empty bottle of a Jägermeister or something. It all just goes into like it all goes like in like a you know in, in like a drawer or a box or whatever, and it just gets stuck somewhere. So I would say, uh, sir, if it's something you don't want your mom to see, uh, then uh, you know you just you put it away. Yeah. So all right, well we can do the uh, high concept topic here uh, because we were talking about because Tim. Tim accused me earlier of being a secret binge eater, and he, he told and he nailed it. By the way, Tim completely nailed it when he said that it was a thing that I did when Lara was not around. Uh, didn't I, she find your stash and throw it all away? Well, she didn't find she didn't throw it away, uh, but she has on more than one occasion found. Uh, see, this does make me sound crazy. It makes me sound like a Howard Hughes meets like Karen Carpenter thing, uh, like secret food that I have hidden in the house, um, which. Uh, you know, and then you sound like some weird Depression-era grandparent who's putting a cans of Dinty Moore, like, you know, in the floorboards. Um, 
Now she found like like several boxes of Kraft macaroni uh, that I had hidden, and I think a big, I think a big box of like Reese's peanut butter cereal at one point. <gasps> that cereal is so good. It is. It's fantastic. Oh man! You know what's real great about? Uh, let me just get the fun of it. And the milk first. afterward is so good because like peanut oh. butter milk. Oh stop! See now you're just trying to get me off your doll. Oh. You damn woman, I know what you're trying to do. Trying to get me off my Maybe, diet. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of thrown off. It was weird seeing you eating an apple. I... I'm trying to get, like, used to this this new, crazy, healthy Rick. It's not... I'm not that healthy. I mean, I'm just... I'm just, I'm just you're kind of bumming me out. But I've just been eating... But you know what? For so long... Uh, now I sound like I'm in recovery. You know, for so long, my life was a web of lies and fat. I've just been eating from You've the plaid pantry for, like, six months. Hasn't the plaid pantry been good to you? I suppose, but I mean... But have I really been happy, Sarah? Have I really been happy? You know, ever since you've started this new eating and your new, you know, whatever, your shrink and stuff, you seem crazier than usual. Well, I want to go back to just keeping it all inside, Rick, who eats like five Easy Macs a day. Everything, everything, everything down into a big black ball of hate. But, you know, I would just, now see, now it just is going to turn into like some big therapy session. But you know what? But I would just, seriously, I would just. You'd eat because you were unhappy? It's not that I would, no, but see, that's, well, yes, I do that too. I'm a stress eater. I mean, I've talked about that. Yeah. Are you? Are you a stress? Do yeah. you eat when you're stressed? I'm so jealous of my friend, like my friend Lisa, if she's upset about something, she doesn't eat. She won't eat for days. That's I fat boy's thing. I never do that. When, when Bobby broke up with his girlfriend. Yeah. He's, you know, he lost like 65 pounds in like three months. And I remember, you know, I didn't know that she had broken up with him. And I think, you know, it's not a secret. I mean, she, you know, there had been a bad breakup. And I didn't know that. And I'm like, hey, dude, you lost a lot of weight. And he's like, yep, just drinking vodka and not eating. Haven't eaten for weeks. Girlfriend dumped me. I'm all alone. I had a post. I had <laughs> a breakup. so bad. Where, yeah, it was just after we broke up. It was uh, all vodka and, like, chicken strips. And yeah. I lost, like, 15 pounds. Vodka and pain. Vodka and chicken strips. I no. don't know how that would even work. I totally do that, though. I uh, but I, I will absolutely, like, if I get all stressed out or I just am feeling all pressure or just whatever, just, just go home and just, you know, just just, just stifle it down with big buckets of cream cheese. Um so we'll do the uh, we'll do the high concept topic here, then we'll break. We'll come back with Tim. We'll do the top five on the other side. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. A high concept topic for today this is left over from last week, but it actually is uh, more appropriate now than ever. Uh, high concept topic: When no one is around, I eat blank. Do we get to listen to the Dexter music? And try and and just skip the crude sexual jokes that you think are funny that we'll have to dump anyway. So when no one is around, yeah, let me get that uh, queued up. When no one is around, I eat. Blank. That is today's high concept topic. Do we start? Yes, we will start here in just a moment. But let me just first say this: you were asking if I ate because I uh, if I ate because I hated myself. It sometimes it was that, uh, although usually it was that I just hated myself because of what I was eating. And I know it sounds like I'm re- like in recovery, even though it's really been like two days since I've eaten badly. So I'm really on like you know 48 hours or less. But, but it's like I would just go. I do go to the plaid pantry, and it's like I'll buy one of those bad like pizza pocket things that you microwave, and it's like. And then of course you're eating it outside the plaid pantry, and you're just afraid that somebody you work with is going to walk by, and there you are standing in like an alleyway outside a plaid pantry eating a frozen pizza pocket. I mean, come on, I'm 35. I am 35 years of age, and you just knew at some point like you know your boss or somebody you work with is going to walk by. Hey, Rick. I- Mm, I'll leave you alone. And you're just there like shoving a pizza pocket into your mouth. And then you just feel like such a phenomenal fat ass. Have you worked through it? You're already in recovery. So you don't you don't get to talk about good foods anymore. Cause you're, you're turning your back on them. I'm just saying you can't deny that, though. When you're just. Uh, no, I remember every time I'm eating an Easy Mac, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing that. That's the thing, right? It, or like eating pizza. And it's just like it is so delicious, but you can't even fully enjoy it. And you're you crying. Know, you're, it's just so good. <laughs> And that's the and that's the real uh, like if you've read Fast Food Nation, 
Of that by Eric Schlosser. That's the, the, the that is the really fascinating thing about bad food is how good it all tastes. I mean, I know I'm just stating the obvious here, but it's like it, it's it's it is scientifically desi- by definition most of that food that's just filled with chemicals and whatever. I mean, there has been quite literally a guy in a lab coat in a room somewhere designing it to taste good. And here's the other my final observation about dieting uh, before we do the calls and the high concept of the day is when no one is around, I well, eat. You know what? If blank. you're dieting, then I'm gonna diet too because I'm not gonna eat all these like fattening things. Is this like our sister's thing, how we have to be chained together when whatever we do? I totally do. Nobody knows that Rick and I have secret pizza eating. Like, we'll only eat a piece of pizza if the other person does, and we don't talk about it. Jesus. Well, I... Anyway, because we have that, because if you and I both eat pizza, then it's like neither of us have done it. Exactly. It cancels itself. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, fine, I'm going to start eating better now, too. My final observation is this. The real misery about dieting, and then we'll talk about your diet plans here in a while. The, my, my, the real misery of dieting, of course, is, is, is it's just, it is, the timeline is reversed from when you're eating badly. Because when you're eating badly, the gratification is immediate. And the suffering is later. Because, you know, because it, it does blah, blah, blah. It takes time to gain weight. And, you know, you don't gain 20 pounds. Ever. But it's like the gratification is right then. Mm-hmm. And the suffering is down the line. So it's easy to do. When you're dieting, it's like the pain is immediate. Because you're like, I really would like some pizza. I'll have sprouts. And then you're shoving vegetables into your mouth when you really just want to have, like, a big bucket of chicken. Mm-hmm. And so the pain is immediate. But the gratification of losing weight is not only later, but it's, like, so unbelievably gradual, you never even notice it. That's the thing, right? I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, well, like you step on a scale, you don't even notice the difference. I mean, it takes it takes weeks. and You know what it is? Here's what dieting is like. Oh, boy. Dieting. and Well, no, dieting is like when I had the medical hair restoration. Uh-huh. And, you know, you get it done. And, I mean, you know, and they'll tell you this up front. You get it done. But because it's like growing in from scratch, basically, they're like, look, it's going to take, you know, six to eight months. They're like, you're not going to see it uh, until sometime like next year. So, like, don't be looking in the mirror tomorrow waiting for your hair to be back. And, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's great, but it's like... Once you get it done, you just got to check in and realize it's going to happen like seven months from now. I love people. I'm just getting lists of the secret things that people eat. Such as? Uh, Honey-dipped corn dogs and dipping them in salad cream. A gorgeous tangy mayo pulled at Fred Meyer that's huge. Uh, I've been known to drink leftover KFC gravy from its styrofoam container. Oh, wow. (laughs) Straight out of the fridge. Uh, All right. Minus, I have a lot of Easter candy. Like Cadbury cream eggs, and I oh. love, I always, I secretly eat Cadbury you know I, cream eggs you know in the freezer. God damn you. God damn you to hell, you damn woman. This, the so whole thing is, good. the whole. Oh. <laughs> what? I, you, you asked. Seriously, don't take this the wrong way. I just want to punch you in the face sometimes. Because <laughs> now I'm just thinking, you know what I really love? Is I love, um, I don't really like good chocolate. Uh-huh. I like really cheap chocolate. Cadbury cream eggs. Oh. Like the white and the uh, and the yellow inside, it makes it look kind of eggy. It's, it's like when you get the bunny that's hollow. I prefer the ho- the hollow bunnies to the solid ones. Mm. And it's like you break off like that cheap Easter uh, Easter candy chocolate. Why are you glaring at me? I almost swore right now. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize see. that that was your weak spot. It is, it's high concept uh, <laughs> Tuesday. Uh, the question is, when no one is around, I eat blank. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Entire can chocolate whipped cream, and then once it's empty, I proceed to suck out the nitrous. Is that true? Yep. Good for you. Now, when you say a can of chocolate whipped cream, I didn't even know they made that. Like a chocolate ready whip? Yeah, you can get it. You can get it at Safeway. I had no idea. How much does it cost? It's about the same as regular whipped cream. So it's like what, a couple bucks? Uh, yeah. And then how long? Let me ask you this, sir, because uh, you know we're all just being open. This is like one big therapy group. How long would you say it takes you to go through a can of chocolate ready whip? It depends on how hyper I was before I started. Let's say the average, like if you're kind of wound up, you're like, hey, let me give you that ready whip. I mean, you in one sitting, or do you break it up over the course of like a couple hours? 
do half an hour. <laughs> half an hour. And then you go right for the nitrous? Night, right for the nitrous. Now, here's a dumb question, because I've lived, I've lived a pretty boring life. Uh, so I don't really know what nitrous oxide does to you. Does it make you happy? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, sort of uh, relaxed or sort of amped up? What it does is um, it gives you a temporary high. What you do is you just kind of take it in. You hold your breath until you, like, can't hold it anymore, until your whole brain just starts saying, ha, 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 I'm at a rave. So. God bless you, sir. You're a good American. Oh, thank Th- you. Thank you, my friend. Awesome. All right, there you go. Um, you know, you know what I've been known to eat, actually. Mm. We never actually gave ours, but you know what I've been known to eat. No, mine is mine is the Cadbury mix. Everybody knows about like the spray cheese and whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, what? a real weakness of mine is cream cheese. <gasps> Me too. I was just gonna say I eat mini corn dogs dipped in cream cheese. Okay, but you know what it's I do? So good. You know what I do? And you know one of the single worst things you can eat, and I eat it covered in cream cheese. I will go to the store. And I will buy a huge tub of like um, like olive and herb cream cheese or like a oh, like a chai yeah. of cream cheese, and then I'll just buy a big bag of like tortilla chips, and I will sit there and I will just go <laughs> and just so scoop funny, out because that combination never fills you. You no. can eat the whole bag. Oh no, I can eat the whole. I have. I've eaten. <laughs> I mean, recently, I've eaten a whole huge tub of chive cream cheese on, and then a whole bag of tortilla chips along with it. And I will do this. Here's here's what a retard I am. I will, why do I even need to go to a shrink? I mean, really, this is I get this for free right here. Exactly. Here's the other thing. I will also, I'm so um, obsessive compulsive about it that what I will do is I will actually sort of calculate, I will calibrate how much cream cheese I'm putting on every chip so that I use the chips and the cheese at just the right speed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that they end at exact, because I don't want to have like leftover chips and no cheese. I feel you. Because if I use up the chips and there's cream cheese left over, then I just have to like put my finger in and just get big chunks of cream cheese and just lick them right off my Why finger. God damn, I'm just disgusting. Oh, God, too. All right, it's five zero three seven three three. We really should do this. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let other people do it. Uh, the question is: uh, Here's the high concept subject. Uh, when no one is around, I eat blank. When no one is around, I eat blank. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Good afternoon, sir. What's up? Hey, you know, I love you like a brother, but you, you're unfolding levels of crazy lately. Have really, have really been amazing. Um, one of my favorite things is a large dollop of marshmallow cream sauce drizzled with Hershey's chocolate syrup. You mean marshmallow cream sauce like uh, like marshmallow whip or whatever? Well, yeah, it's the stuff in a jar that yeah. has negative nutritional value. Like, like marshmallow fluff. Yeah, exactly. And one other thing, if I may, yeah. uh, you were talking about closing streets and such. I work for a governmental agency who will remain anonymous. And you know, the thing us is we can pretty much close anything we want just because. Just because you're the government. And, and that's what makes really life worth living. <laughs> the idea that you can impose your will on others, sir. Oh, it, it, is, it is great to be an American. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 733 970, it is High Concept Tuesday. The question is, uh, what do you eat when no one's looking? When no one is around, I eat blank. Hi. Hello, Mr. Emerson. How are you doing? Hi. How are you doing, sir? Okay. When no one is around, I go for an everything bagel with, like, the, the crab-flavored stuff they put inside of crab puffs. Really? Oh, that is so good. It's like crab and, like, a, it's like some sort of a cream, like a cream mixture. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's kind of like the, the the gooeyest, most non-nutritious, fattening crap you can jam down your neck. It's almost meat. like a really, really creamy, liquidy tuna salad, but with crab meat. Yeah, and exactly. Is this, is this crab or is this K-Rab, sir? Um, I think it's the K-Rab. K-Rab, yeah. All right, to make excellent. it even more, well, you know, it's a Clackamas thing. you gotta got to redneck it up. It's a Clackamas thing. All right. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right. Aaron just sent me something... 
Uh, make Rick talk about eating Jen's cream cheese with cocktail sauce and imitation crab dip. He gorged himself. I didn't even leave. Uh, here's the thing. I was at Aaron's. Uh, I, I, we keep interrupting the calls here, but I was at Aaron's, and I didn't, you know, it's like where they have a little, um, you know, the appetizer platter set up or whatever, uh, you know, like the snack section of the living room, or like, you know, near the kitchen, it'd be like a snack table, and everybody else would go to the snack table and get a little snack and then go back to the living room and sit, and I just sat there. I didn't even leave the snack table. I just sat there and hovered there the entire... Yeah, I probably ate three quarters of a huge loaf of cream cheese uh, covered in, you know, like, cocktail sauce. That's impressive. I mean, on, like, fried chips. Of course, like, the worst combination of... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. It's High Concept Tuesday. When no one is around, I eat blank. Hello. Hello, is it me? Yes, it is, sir. Hello. Awesome. The, uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm about a sick bastard as they come. I got a night eating problem, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had pancakes with uh, peanut butter and uh, syrup on them. I have indeed. I am uh, infamous for getting up in the middle of the night and scooping a thing of peanut butter and then swashing it down with the syrup. Really? Now, see, when I was a kid, my mom we would uh, my mom would make pancakes, and she would always kind of make too many because better to have too many than too few. And all of the leftover pancakes would just go into a pile, and then she would serve because we were kind of trashy. She would just serve them to us as sandwiches filled with yes, peanut butter, and honey. So that's it. Yeah, well, and I've even got a uh, invention that I'd thought about for down at the fair market because they've got such nutritional food down there. Uh-huh. But what if you took peanut butter balls? And injected the syrup and then deep fried them and sold them for two bucks or two for a buck. You are a bad <laughs> deep person. Deep fried peanut butter balls sounds like the greatest. Injected thing ever. with honey. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, it's high concept Tuesday. When no one is around, I eat blank. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, everybody. Hello. When no one's around, I take a slice of Kraft cheese and I put mustard on it and I roll a deep fried mozzarella stick in it. You know, can I just tell you one of the one of the real joys in life is like wrapping a food in another food when neither of them are really good for you to begin with. And you can drive really well with it. The craft cheese keeps everything in. Let me ask let me ask you this. Do you ever do this? Do you ever do you just always do it one at a time or do you ever have the restraint to make like 10 and put them on a plate and then just eat them all? I make 10 and put them in a Ziploc bag and drive and eat them. <laughs> We love you very much. I'll just say that. All I'm right. so ashamed. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. You know, my mouth is literally watering. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you guys. It's Mailman Brian. Hey. What's up? Hey, uh, so here's, here's what I got going on. When no one is around, I, I live about two blocks from a Mexican bakery, and I will buy five or six of the Mexican bakery items, and I think they're better for me because they're not fried. Oh, dude, Mexican pastries are the... Dude, you you want to talk about some of the best eating you will ever do in your life is you go into a Mexican bakery, uh, and you just go over just the... And I don't even know what half the stuff is. It just looks fantastic. I buy it. I eat it. It's wonderful. It's it's the best thing. And the other problem is is, uh, uh, it's because they they use a super fine flour to make all that stuff. Uh Uh-huh. It's a little less pleasant uh, later in the day. That's all I got. I'm out. All right. Thank you. Uh, we'll do three more, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. When no one is around, I eat blank. When no one's around, I eat ca- uh, cans of sardines and anchovy paste straight from the tube. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Thank you. That is so great. Uh, I feel I feel so much less alone. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hey, Rick. Hi. What I have that I should not probably is I like to drink pickle juice out of the jar after the pickles are gone. Good for you. My mom used to do that, actually. My oh, mom, I love pickles. My mom would do it. Here's the other juice my mom We've would drink. We've got to do more than three. Come on. All right. My, good. my mom, uh, she would not only drink pickle juice straight from the jar. My mom, when we have sauerkraut, which we did often, if, when the sauerkraut was gone, my mom, I swear to Christ, would pour the sauerkraut juice into a glass and just drink it. Full-on drink sauerkraut juice at the table, usually in front of a girl I was trying to impress. So oh, that's foul. Yeah, <laughs> that's from a pickle juice. That's the milk of the gods. And, and it right, is, Rick. by the way. Thank you. Yep. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. When no one is around, I eat blank. Tortilla chips with spaghetti sauce and Parmesan cheese. Heated really? or cold? Cold. Really? See, yeah. I can... The cold thing, I think, th- throws me off. It's like a gazpacho or something. It's like a, something that my, my brain thinks ought to be heated. Uh, so is it when you say when you say Parmesan cheese, and I'm, I'm assuming, is this the crumbly kind in the cylindrical yeah. can? Uh-huh. Like the Kraft green can of Parmesan? Yeah, but it's the, the fresh stuff you can grate. Uh, you're a good person. Thank you. Yep. All right. This is so deeply satisfying. It is. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. High Concept Tuesday. When no one is around, I eat blank. You got my chocolate in your peanut butter. Scoop of peanut butter in the spoon, stick it in the chocolate chips, and then eat it. In chocolate chips? Oh, that's bad. That's, that's great. No, and the great thing about that is, let me ask you this. I really do. I think I might have a problem because this is almost like food porn. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. Do you do the thing where you get... What else do you do with your and I've, and I've done all of these things. Do you, do you do the thing where you get the extra, large, uh, the extra large spoon, lots of peanut butter, you dip it into the chocolate chips, and then when you put it in your mouth and you eat it, you just eat, like, the first part that has the chips, and then you use the same peanut butter, the leftover, to go back in for the second round of chips? Oh, without a doubt. And I get the Costco bag of chocolate chips. See, you know, it's like the five-pound bag, because I would hate to run out. Of course. No, that's, that's the other thing. When you go to the store specifically to buy junk food, you always overbuy. Because... Oh, and it's uh, Jif peanut butter with the nuts. Of course it is. Yes, I wouldn't have it any other All way. Right. Thank you, my friend. You bet. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is awesome. Yes, it is. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hi. Hey, uh, I um, I make cheese fondue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then put uh, applewood bacon, fresh applewood bacon into it. Really? You, like, chop it up, or do you, like, just... Like, no, I, I fry it, then, so it's nice and crisp and crumbly, and chop it up so it's all fine and crumbly, and mix it in with the hot cheese fondue, and then sit down with a loaf of French bread and eat the whole thing. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. That really does sound... It is. Hey, what's really good, too, is, is if you just hollow out, like, a section of the French bread, you can just pour the cheese fondue inside <laughs> of it. Oh, uh, these calls have all been sent here right for the bowels of hell. Right. I'm, I'm a bad fat man. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Tim is looking at us with a mixture of interest and scorn, I can tell. And no, more guess. interest. Tim, would you like to uh, weigh in on what you eat when uh, no one's looking? Tim's Cascade Potato Chips, lightly salted. You're is, crazy. Is this going to be like your thing nuts. about how you, how you allow yourself one packet of sugar wafers from the machine in the so kitchen per week? I'm bummed, because they don't have the sugar wafers really? anymore. Really? Oh, I am bummed about those. Every, you know, I'm not the only one who likes those. No. They're really good. I've eaten three they packets of those They take away everything I love. Yeah, no, it's true. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, High Concept Tuesday. When no one is around, I eat blank. Hi, are you, is this me? Yes, it is. Hello. Hi, um, my husband makes... Icing for cake, uh-huh. four ingredients, vanilla, sugar, milk, and butter. <clears throat> Makes it really runny, my whole stick of butter, and then dips the chocolate cake into it, double dips instead of 
icing it. Oh, see, here's the thing: is that I'm not even much of like a cake or icing person, but just, but I can sense your appreciation of it, and I can see how that would just be the most dangerous thing in the world to have around. Dangerous yet wonderful and delectable. Double toss a cake, and my husband is voice number two. All right, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I don't ever want this to end. This bit. Can we? Can we? Do you feel less alone? No, it's great. No, what we should do, we should break and then you know, there are whole, this after the news. There are shows that just do this for four hours, Sarah. I used to do a show that just did this for four hours. Do you wish to continue this? Yes, in, yes, Now, yes. in lieu of the top five, perhaps? Yes. All right. So, Tim, I'll tell you what. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Tim will do some news, and uh, we will continue this. So we'll just, you know, we'll just we'll, we'll kind of round out the uh, the show with some more of these calls. And if we have time for the top five, great. If not, we'll do it uh, tomorrow. It's not time intensive. All right. Back after this, it is High Concept Tuesday. Stay there. Tim, around the corner, more of your phone calls. It's the Rick Emerson Show. You asked for it. Uh, there's no pizza in the kitchen, you whore. Okay. I just want to see how. Oh, he does have a problem. <laughs> I was. I was. I'm e- sorry, fatty. <laughs> I'm equal parts sad and glad. I really went and looked in the kitchen and there was no pizza. And I, I saw you running down the hall. Shut <laughs> up. I didn't think you believed me. This this is. I really have to say this, this is kind of a fascinating cultural study we're doing here. I'm getting emails like. I eat a bowl full of cinnamon toast cereal, a cinnamon toast crunch cereal with chocolate syrup poured all over it. Uh, like with milk in it? I don't believe so. <laughs> well, okay. This is the wrong song, isn't this? I saw the sign. No, they all oh. sound the same. They are all. They all are. I saw the sign. I was going to sit here and listen to this. I was just thinking, wondering if the answer, if the meaning of the song was going to suddenly announce itself. It kind of lulls you. And then I started thinking, I wonder if we could, at this point, if we could get somebody from Ace of Base on the show. I mean, what are they doing? Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. That's just the kind of music that shuts down your brain. Listen to this. And you'll sit through it for like five or six minutes. Can I read you the best subject line to an email? Yes. Rick, when no one else is around, I eat chip remnants and dip with a spoon. (laughs) I've done that. Listen to this. I've totally done this. He says it speaks equally for my gluttony and frugality, but when I've run out of tortilla chips that are large enough for dipping into salsa or cheese... I dump all of the crushed chip fragments into a bowl, pour the remaining dip over the top, stir it, and eat it with a spoon. He says it's like white trash cereal, and I'm always afraid someone will walk it. Okay, here's what I've done. Like if you have a glass jar of dip, and you get to the bottom where, like, like your big fat hand can't fit into the dip anymore, uh, and your chips are all kind of just used, I have totally done the thing of taking the glass jar of dip Pouring the chip fragments up there and then mixing it up with a spoon and taking it up with a spoon. I've done that. God, I'm disgusting. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I'm so disgusting, everybody. <laughs> everybody, come see how disgusting I am. Here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, Jamie Barber <laughs> is one bad girl, allegedly. She faces attempted murder, menacing and lawful oh. use of a weapon, and attempted assault charges. That's not sexy at all. It all started when Barber, apparently drunk, became angry at noise her neighbors were making and pointed a shotgun at a group of about ten people. So one of the neighbors wrestles the gun away from this uh, woman, which proved to be unloaded. So they got the gun out of her hand. Then Jamie runs back into the house and comes back with another gun. Aims it at the group again, pulls the trigger, but it was unloaded. Police arrive. She ran back into the house. 
and she had to be talked into coming out and surrendering by a negotiator. Uh, police say they've been called to her house several times for recent incidents involving her and her neighbors. We don't have an address, but if you live near there, I'm sure you know who oh, Janie is. Oh, you know who they are. Uh, Barack Obama's wife, Michelle, will be on the view tomorrow. Got a double snuff watch here. Uh, really? Yeah. All right, here's your double snuff watch for Tuesday. Do I know who these people are? Yes. All right. I have no idea. Here's your double snuff watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Since Charisse, the long-legged Texas beauty who danced with Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire, yeah. had passed away, she was 86. Uh, she apparently had a heart attack at Cedar sinai She appeared in many technical musicals in the 40s and 50s, you'll remember. She was five foot six, but in high heels and full-length stockings, she seemed serenely tall. She moved with extraordinary grace, her flawless beauty, and jet black hair, contributed to an aura production that Astaire described in his memoir as beautiful dynamite. St. Therese is 86. Speaking of small women, you know who was calling into Charlie Tuna when I was listening to his show in San Diego? Who? Charo. Oh, she's still around? That's what I said. So, uh, Laura and I are sitting there. Oh, sorry, I'm like tucking the microphone. She was on the Surreal Life. I didn't know that ago. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're sitting there in San Diego listening to Charlie Tuna out of L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, "Hey, who's that on the phone?" And he answers the phone and "Hello, it's Charo." And we were just like, "What?" what? I mean, it really was like falling back into like it's like some weird audio version of the Love Boat or something. And Tony Schwartz, who created the infamous Daisy ad that only ran once during the 1964 oh. presidential race, has died. He was uh, 84. He started his career as a graphic designer. The scene that changed into a countdown for an atomic blast uh, only played once, so let's play part of that. Hi. It's a little girl picking flowers. This is 60 seconds. Oh, you get the idea. Yeah, and, then, and then she died. Are to go into the dark. We must either love each other or we must die. So this is the Vote thing where she. For President Johnson on November 3rd. Jeez. The stakes are too high for you to stay home. She's pulled. She's doing the loves me, loves me not thing off a of daisy, right? And then there's a there's a atomic oh, blast. Yeah, there's a mushroom cloud. Yeah, it's a creepy spot. Even now, yeah, it only played once. Yeah, it's terrifying. And it, it was in black and white too. Anyway, that's our snuffwatch for today. All right, there's your double snuffwatch for, for Tuesday. Fantastic. So let's get back to our program. Are you going to stay in here and hear the shame, Tim, or are you going to prepare more news? I have to go prepare more news. All right, ladies it's and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back in four, five, six, and 7, top of the hour. Uh, right, do you mind if I remove like Letterman? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, Rick, I make white trash pizza. That is wheat thins covered in tomato paste, pepperoni, black olives, and baked with cheddar cheese. Mmm, white trash pizza. All right. That uh, sounds awesome. It is High Concept Tuesday. Today's High Concept uh, topic is this. When no one is around, I eat blank. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Okay. I will make a sandwich with uh, Jif peanut butter on one slice of bread, cheese whiz on the other slice, and in between, Doritos. Really? Oh, yes. Now, well, that's not so weird, I guess. What kind of cheese is on the other side? Cheese whiz? 
cheese whiz out of the jar. Out of the jar. So, see, because here's the thing about my wife always says when I when I buy the spray cheese, which I do often, uh, she will call it cheese whiz, and it's not a cheese whiz. Actually, comes out of a jar, and it's sort of a weird. It isn't cheese whiz. I thought that was cheese. No, 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 that's spray cheese. It's like easy cheese. Easy cheese. Cheese whiz comes in a jar, and it is about the consistency of cream cheese. And yeah. uh, by the way, Cheese Whiz is actually, it, you know, its reputation is coming around a little bit. There are actually uh, certain chefs now that will only use uh, Cheese Whiz in their kitchens. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, the only way that I can assuage my guilt is with a uh, Viso Strachey, more of everything good. Good for you. Thank you. Yay. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. You sing this thing from Aaron? Oh, he has you on mic? Where he has me on mic. We recorded the Aliens commentary, and there was a lot of food there, and Apparently, I'm on mic saying, hand me the chips, and then somebody says, they're gone, just chip dust. And then I guess uh, I'm on mic and saying, pass it over, and then I funnel all the chip leavings into my mouth like some sort of salty pixie stick. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. When no one is around, you eat what? Well, sometimes during nature's special time, I get sugar and salt cravings. Is that true? I didn't know uh, that that was part of it. For me, it is. Um, And I have been caught several times dipping salt and vinegar chips into chocolate frosting. <laughs> well, I think that the salty and chocolate or the salty and whatever together, I think that is very much a, I think it is more of a girl thing than a guy thing. Like, as I always say, the number of girls I knew growing up, growing up, hello, the number, I'm a professional broadcaster, the number of girls I, I knew growing up who, they would do this thing of like taking their McDonald's french fries and then like they would dip them the right in the, cake. yeah, that into the, see, you oh, know, yeah, it's a girl yeah, thing. Those are good. Frosty, Frosty, or uh, Wendy's Frosties are the same oh, deal. Yes. Dip them in, oh, sweet nectar of the gods. <laughs> thank you. Special <laughs> ever. All right, thank you. Uh, you see, don't we all feel bonded now? You know, the thing is, because we're all filled with shame, none of us are filled with shame. That's true, just like how you and I, when we eat our pizza together, it's like we're not eating the pizza together. That's right. All right. Or else we're mental. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Um, so after uh, uh, Thanksgiving a few years back, we had leftover Cool Whip, and I was kind of, you know, I was looking at it because, you know, I just didn't want to you know, eat it off my fingers or whatever, and I go to the, uh, as you call it, the thin drawer, and there were a box of Nilla wafers, dipping Nilla wafers into Cool Whip, and I must have pounded probably a half a box of Nilla wafers. And, and the thing is, I mean... I, there's got to be some scientific explanation for this. Like from, I mean, I've heard it speculated, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard it speculated that the reason we do this sort of thing, that bad fatty food is so easy to eat, is a, especially in modern times, it's designed to be good, you know, by company, by the, by big, you know, multinational food companies. But also, I've heard it speculated, and I tend to agree with this, that it dates from our com- our compulsion to like eat fat dates from a time when there was no refrigeration, and if you if you found like if you if you were on the trail of a lot of food if you had good food you didn't have anywhere to store it and so you stored it in nature's refrigerator which is just by eating it and turning it into fat and because you never knew when lean times were going to happen and you couldn't leave the food to go to waste mm-hmm. and so you would eat it all and just store it as fat and that's why the fattiest foods are the ones we want to eat the most because it is your like sort of genetic programming and telling you to stockpile food or to stockpile fat uh, against, you know, coming famine or something. So that totally makes sense. Does that make you feel better about it, sir? Well, and, and what I want to do is I want to tie it into today that uh, they now have Nilla wafers that are kind of spongy with uh, the the middle portion of the Oreo cookies. And so they're doing a Nilla uh, wafer sandwich. A spongy, soft Nilla wafer oh, sandwich. Man, those things are like crack. Thank they're you. So good. All You're, right, thanks. Bye now. 
This says, Rick, when I'm alone, I dip thick-cut cooked bacon in caramel. Mmm, bacon. Back after this to wrap it up. Stay there. Uh, okay. Hi, uh, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Jesus. There's all kinds of crazy in the air today. I, there's some days, uh, this show, though, is like a long sort of, this show is kind of like an audio version of the journey to return the one ring of power to Mount Doom or something, where we start in one place at 11, and by the time it's 3 o'clock, we have gone through so many different areas of discussion and topics and weirdness and... I mean, it's all great. It's just, you know, one minute here. All right. Yep. Let's see how many of these we can do. It is High Concept Tuesday. When no one is around, I eat blank. Oh, hi. I, I, call, I want a date with a mozzarella stick chick. This is Naomi. Uh, hello, Naomi. I'd like a to mozzarella stick chick to call back and maybe give a number. Okay, now are you attracted to her because of the fact that she eats mozzarella put, sticks wrapped in Velveeta? I put mustard on my grilled cheese. I think we'd make a great team. Are you being serious about this? Yes. All right. Uh, I'll t- okay. Well, this is it. this is interesting. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna put you on hold. Uh, give uh, give Richie Bristol a way to get a hold of you some contact info, and uh, we'll we'll address it tomorrow. Okay. All right, Richie. Can you talk to Naomi? She's on four. Can you get her contact info? Don't use it for your own disgusting purposes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Oh. Oh, final call. Don't suck. All right. First, I want to hear Richie's answer to the question. And second, I do uh, peanut butter and jelly with a big slab of Velveeta. Sometimes you throw on the Doritos. All right. Thank you, my friend. Damn it. Oh, well, that was just sort of a, eh. That was, uh, that was ending flat, as they say. All right. Uh, no time to be fair to another call. We'll see you all tomorrow. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970. Tell us right in the newsroom. Tim Riley in the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave's in. Webmasters, Bridge from upstairs. Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. CBS Radio Portland. Marketing guru is Susan. Don't F with me. Reynolds, like us next. Michael Mara, show at 7. See you all tomorrow when our guests include Mr. Skin and other frivolity. Don't go anywhere. Like us is up momentarily. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind it down. See you all tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. Bye. Oh!